Blog Talk Radio. kickoff, something like that. Um, the Packers at the Seahawks, hell of a hell of a first game. Healthy Aaron Rodgers and the Packers looking to get back to their glory years against the defending Super Bowl champion Seattle Seahawks. Uh, we have a lot to talk about tonight, including the late-breaking news of Wes Walker suspended for four games. You know what's funny about this is the first thing NFL fans are thinking is fantasy. <laughs> Yeah, you know, no one's thinking. Well, where did this come from? Or any, you know, first thing to think is, damn, I drafted him on my fantasy team. Now what am I gonna do? That's the first thing NFL fans are thinking about. Then, then they'll get into, okay, well, what do he do again? <laughs> anyway, um, as everybody knows, I do not do this alone. I have uh, a couple of co-hosts, and uh, I'm going to introduce who's here, and maybe the guy who's not here who has a little problem telling time will will join us at some point. But um, you know this guy right here. He's the newest member of the Madden Voice. He's from Bristol, lives in Atlanta, my little brother, huge Cowboy fan. And he's got a special segment tonight we'll talk about later, but it sounds like it's going to be hot. But that's my brother, JB. Welcome to the Madden Voice. Hey, brother. What's up? Appreciate it. Glad to be on as always. Always good to have you, brother. Always good to have you. And we know this guy here. This is this is the guy who was the EAFL Super Bowl one winner, the man who is the doctor of philosophy, the master of defense. This guy right here is the most analytical guy on the Madden Voice. Doctor Train, welcome to the show. What up, Steve? I promise you that intro when you say very first EAFL Super Bowl champ never gets old. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> and, 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 and it should not get old. It should not get old. You know, the EAFL yeah, will always be the league. It will never, ever. That's just something. You just, it's just retired, and it's just over there, and that's it. It's, it's kind of like Michael Jordan, right? You know, no matter how many heir parents come up, wannabes, pretenders, there's still only one Jordan, right? There's still only one Michael Jordan. There's still only one EAFL. 
So, and uh, last but not least, last but not least, the man who uh, has a little difficulty telling time, but he, he he did make it. He did make it on the show. The self-anointed face of Madden, Madden Nation season four contestant. Just just go ahead and go on Google and look up Madden Nation season four, and you'll you'll see him there. But he looked different now. That's the funny part is, if you go watch Mad Nation Season 4, that's before he found what the gym looked like. Now, dude, all slim, trim, cock diesel, looking all good and whatnot. K-Star, welcome to the Madden Voice. Hey, man, what's going on? You heard the sirens in the background. I was just trying to, you know, catch a little bit of time to be on the show. I'm, uh, K-Star's on the run right now, so uh, don't mind if I'm <laughs> a, little bit, a little bit late, fellas. <laughs> Yeah, a lot, a lot of bit late. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, welcome to the show. We got a full show. We got a full house. And remember, anybody, if you want to call into the Madden Voice, 347-838-9525. Again, 347-838-9525. You can catch us on Twitter. It's just at the Madden Voice. You can also catch us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com backslash the Madden Voice. Check out our page. Throw some comments up there. Like the page while you're at it and, and, and tell a friend. So before I start on the actual agenda, um, you know, we, we try to monitor late breaking news as it happens. And as long as I've been doing the show, Tuesday is always a good NFL news day for whatever reason. I, and the season hasn't even started. But literally within the last 30 minutes, we found out that Wes Welker is suspended for four games for violating the NFL's substance abuse policy. And... Um, you know, this is this is being discussed as we speak. And as I said in the intro, I think most football fans, when they saw that, first thing they thought of was their fantasy football team. You know, oh, damn, what am I going to do about Wes Welker? You know, um, and, and, and then later on, I get into, okay, so what happened? But um, there's really not much to say now because we really need to get more information, but more just letting everybody know, suspended for four games. One thing I really want to understand that, that I, I, they're talking about is everybody else, he he already had his appeal and it was denied, so he's done. He's done for four games. So all you fantasy owners or all you guys that might be doing them late drafts tonight, I'm not saying don't draft them, but you know I wouldn't pick him up with my second or third pick. You, you may he may float out there for a little while. Um, he 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 already had his appeal. But a question I'm going to look into. Maybe we'll get the answer before we go off the air tonight. Is well, why are we just hearing this now? Everybody else. We always hear about, and then we hear pending their their appeal. This didn't no no leak, nothing. I mean, why did why why does his suspension or his violation is it private and everybody else's is all over the news? And I, I, that's one question I want to know is what was the difference? You know, because don't let me don't let me find out his preferential treatment because you know that's not cool. So, but we're going to monitor this. NFL Network's on. If any of my co-hosts hear anything that I don't hear, we'll come back to this. We have a segment a little bit later, late breaking news, and uh, we'll see what we can find out between now and then. First segment of the night is actually my segment, and it's, it's a brand new segment that I introduced. And uh, I didn't, this, is, this is something I didn't even tell my co-hosts. This is something that I thought about because I get irritated. And the, the background to this segment is we all watch a lot of NFL coverage on television. And how many times are these guys just blatantly wrong and no one holds them accountable? No one, you know, they, they make statements, they make predictions, they say things that are ludicrous, and then they're way off base and, and, and they just move on. And no one 
you know, said they don't have to answer to anybody. It's just it's okay. You know, it's okay. You can be you can be totally wrong and be an NFL commentator and keep your job. You could have an opinions that are based in nothing but rhetoric and no facts and NFL Network, ESPN, Fox Sports, HBO, Showtime, whatever channel out there. Well, you know what? Commissioner T is going to hold you accountable. Commissioner T is going after the NFL uh, analysts and pundits, and my main target is first take. Now, they won't be my only target, but they will be my main target because I get a little tired of the garbage. I get tired of the rhetoric. I get tired of opinions being presented as fact. So I want to play a little clip for you guys, and then I'll comment on the other side, and then I see if my co-hosts have any thoughts. But this has to do with the NFL coaches, the ranking done by ESPN.com. Okay, so, so check it out. Just take a listen. Stephen A. Smith, may I speak? Yeah, I Thank go you. ahead. This is straight from my heart. I'm no big Jason Garrett fan, as you well know, but he is ranked 10 rungs too low on this list. This list is outrageously <laughs> insulting to Jason Garrett for many of the reasons my friend Ron Jaworski just made. You cannot rank unproven first-time head coaches above him. What an insult that is. That, that just that disqualifies the list to me. I, I can't. Well, what credibility does that have? And then you've ranked above him a Doug Marone who in his first year went 6-10 and 10 in Buffalo. Are you sure about that? And Joe Philbin, how many times... Have we been critical of Joe Philbin on this show? What, what has he done? He's 15 and 17 as a head coach. Jason Garrett, in that first half season he coached, went 5 and 3, and then the three straight 8 and 8. So, effectively, Jason Garrett has never had a losing season as the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And you've got to give him a little bit of credit for that, because, as Josh just said, He's a middle-of-the-pack head coach. Well, that would mean maybe 16, yeah. 18, 20, okay. somewhere That's in there. That's where I would go. Yeah, because, listen. <laughs> because, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Let me finish. Let me finish. You are winning, in many cases, in spite of your owner. You have to win in spite. You have had a horrendous slew of injuries on the defensive side of the ball. We all know that. You've had one defensive coordinator after another. And yet, last year... You came within one Kyle Orton play. Remember, Kyle Orton had to play for Romo in the last game against Philly. You came within one Kyle Orton play of sweeping the NFC East last year. And you're the 30th-ranked coach on the list? Are you kidding me? I mean, that's, that's just straight hate of the Dallas Cowboys. And much of that comes from the okay. guy I'm looking at. Think, yes. Okay. Listen, you call you call whatever you want. You call it hate. You call it. I call it reality. Let me tell you something, man. Let me tell y'all both something, okay? First of all, bring it on, Steve. I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's fair for rookie coaches who have not done anything yet to be labeled lower than somebody who's proven he hasn't gotten the job done. That's my issue. So it's just a difference in philosophy in terms of guys that haven't done the job yet. Why should they be rated lower than a guy who's had four years to have an opportunity to do the job or three and a half and still hasn't gotten it done? That's point number one. Point number two, I don't want to hear this stuff about working in spite of Jerry Jones. You politicked. You positioned yourself to get this job while in the mix, you know, rising up, being the offensive coordinator, getting paid the same as the head coach, practically undermining them for crying out loud, and you got the head coaching job. And it, so it's on you to do it. Point number three, 
Tony Romo is your quarterback. DeMarco Murray is your running back. Dez Bryant, Jason Witten, Miles Austin, all of these guys you had at your disposal. You had DeMarcus Ware and hatching these boys on the defensive side of the ball. You still didn't get it done. So you heard the clip, and I don't agree with Skip Bayless often, but he probably said it better than I could have said it. And then you heard Stephen A. Smith's uh, rhetoric as to why Jason Garrett should at least be ranked 30th. Now, let me be clear. This has zero to do with me being a Cowboy fan. This has to do with the stupidity of first take and sometimes Stephen A. Smith, who actually started a serious um, uh, radio show today. Produced by ESPN, so he still works for ESPN, but it's going to be on Sirius Satellite 1 to 3, uh, I guess, every day. Started today. And I, I, I respect the guy. He's very smart, and he's good at what he does at times. But in most lines of work, when you're so inflammatory and, and you can't substantiate your opinion with facts, then you don't continue that line of work. And how he continues is, I don't understand. First of all, he was making $3 million a year, Jason Garrett, as the assistant coach. Why is that his fault as the offensive coordinator? Why is that his fault? Secondly, he was offered the head coaching job, interviewed with Baltimore. Baltimore wanted him before they hired Harbaugh. Atlanta wanted him before they hired Mike Smith. Okay, he had other opportunities. So you're saying he politicked for the head coaching, coaching position. No, Jerry Jones said I want you as my heir apparent. I want you to stay. I don't want you to go to these other teams. And Jason Garrett, being loyal, said, okay. But he went and interviewed because he was going to be a head coach. So the stuff that you're saying is just not true. But most importantly, 30th coach in the NFL, 30th ranked. So, so that means that at 8-8, 8-8 and 8-8, 29-27 eight, eight and eight, and eight, and eight, and in four years, there's only two coaches – that have coached worse than you? So however your criteria, is it his career? Is it one year? I don't know what ESPN.com. It's bias. It's hate on the Cowboys. Should he be in the top ten? Absolutely not. Should he be in the top half of the league? I wouldn't even go that far. Jaw said it best. 18, 20, somewhere in there? Yeah, I could see that. But come on. This unmitigated, un, just, just ridiculous hatred just to get ratings so you can say inflammatory statement it's just ridiculous. We know everyone loves the Cowboys, and we know everyone loves to hate the Cowboys. But if you're going to blast them, then at least have your facts correct. And there is no way, shape, or form. Frankly, I think ESPN.com did that on purpose to give the analysts something to talk about because they know how much the Cowboys means for ratings. So let's rank Garrett low. Let's put him near the back of the list, almost at the bottom of the league, so then there's people that are going to talk about it and give us more ratings. It's ridiculous. 16, 18, 20, 22, I'd have no issue with. Lower than that, it's just not fair. And finally, no, I'm sorry. You don't take a coach who hasn't coached and put him ahead of a coach who has coached. You just don't do it. They haven't proved anything. They've done nothing in the NFL. So, no, this isn't arbitrary to me. This is, this is you have to get in here and, and earn your stripes. You've got to get in there and do something with your team. And if you haven't, well, then I'm sorry. You're at the bottom of the list until you get to week one comes and you start to coach. Then let's see what you got. And that's my and that's my taking down Stephen A. Smith in first take. Any comments from uh, 
any of my co-hosts because I probably didn't leave much to say. But uh, JB, you're 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 a big cowboy fan. Any thoughts? I completely agree with your statements. Uh, you said it best when you're not a huge Skip Bayless fan because neither am I. Uh, I. I respect their opinions, both Stephen A. and Skip Bayless, but this is one where I do agree with Skip, um, especially to put a first-year coach ahead of Jason Garrett. I, I don't see that at all. I mean, I'm looking at first-year coaches. The first one that comes to mind is Mike Patton, and I'm sorry, he's no George Seifert. He's no... Um, uh, uh, Jim Caldwell, we don't know what he is yet, but from what we've seen, I wouldn't place him ahead of, of uh, Jason Garrett if he had done so. I think right around 1920 was what I was thinking right off the bat. Anything uh, higher than that, I'd question. Anything lower than that, I'd kind of question. So to put him at 30th, I, I think it is a slap in the face. And uh, and this is not my Cowboy fan side. This is if I was just a fan of, of football in general. I think that's a slap in the face for Garrett and the Cowboy organization and bumping up anyone else who's above uh, Garrett on this list, bumping them up too much. So I completely agree with what you said and completely agree with, with Skip. There has to be some integrity in this business of analyzing NFL. K-Star and I have talked about this many, many times. You can be a homer and you can support your team, but you still have to have integrity or it damages your credibility. And how many times have I gotten on different uh, Cowboys that I thought, thought, including Tony Romo, didn't hold up their end of the deal? You, you have to do it if that's what's right. And I just feel like on a lot of these NFL shows, there's no integrity. They just say whatever for, for sensation, you know, just, just to stir things up. And that's not good. We have to stop that. Us fans have to stop that. Us people that watch every game – you know, as many games as we can get every season and love this four- or five-month season called football, we can't. We got to hold these guys accountable. One way we can, just change the channel. Just change the channel. I'm not going to watch you anymore. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to watch you anymore. Uh, Train, K-Star, any thoughts? Uh, I don't have anything different to say other than what, what's already been said. I mean, I completely agree with you guys' perspective, just for the simple fact that it doesn't make sense to rank coaches that haven't coached in the NFL ahead of a coach that has, regardless of what his record in, he's coached in the NFL. Agreed. All right. I think that when you watch first thing, you kind of you know kind of what you're getting. It's like E first Hollywood sports take, right? Uh. It, it is. It really is. It's That's kind of what it's for. It's for the ratings, and they're great at generating that. Uh, but a lot of it's through statements like that, through clippings like that. You know, but I don't really think a first take is a, a very credible sports show. I think of it as entertainment. Um, you know, but that's pretty much it. You know, that's Skip Bayless and, and Stephen A. Smith. They're really good at listening responses from others. And, um, you know, like I said, if you don't want to listen to it, you can change the channel. I suggest that change people, people do that. I suggest they do and get the uh, Madden Voice podcast. Listen to us. That's all I'm saying. Uh, let me really? also give a Quick shout-out to my mom, who just texted me that she's listening. So, hey, Ma. Long time no see. I was just over there earlier. But, hey, Ma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, JB, you going to say hi to Ma or what? What's up? Yeah, hey, Ma. Love you. And uh, yeah, I knew she was on, too. She texted me about 10 minutes ago. Okay, good. All right. All right, cool. All right. Um, you know, popular topics of the week. Um, well, I'm going to switch the order because I, I'm, 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 I'm excited to see – 
um, well, first and foremost, before we talk about where he might end up, because um, we're, we're now getting um, rumors that the Cowboys are looking at Michael Sam, which I have been hoping for. Uh, as soon as he was released, the first thing I told everyone who would listen is, I think he'd be a good fit in Dallas. They need a pass rusher. The guy's got a, a motor that doesn't stop, and I hope Dallas goes and gets him. And, and, and there is scuttlebutt now that if he passes the physical tomorrow, that Dallas will sign him to their uh, practice squad. So that's the scuttlebutt. But let's back up for a minute because this is a guy who didn't make the Rams, made the final cut, and then, you know, or missed, made every cut to the last cut, and then, uh, was one of the last four to be cut. But then, surprisingly, cleared waivers, and then the Rams didn't sign him back. K-Star, what are your thoughts? Let's just assume we don't know if he's going to up in Dallas tomorrow or not. That's rumor right now. I've, I've checked my Cowboys sources, and nobody there is confirming anything. So I got nothing on that one. We'll just have to wait and see. But here it is, you know, um, waivers two days old, and the guy's without a team. You know, the SEC Defensive Player of the Year without a team as of right now. What's going on? Uh, I think people are trying to avoid the media circus. And I feel like the Rams punched in their ticket, and now they're done with it. Um, the Rams have legitimate needs elsewhere, especially quarterback with the recent you know injury of Sam Bradford. Uh, I think they even just signed Case Keenum, of all people, from the Texans. Um, so I think that's legitimate there. Uh, you know, he was a long shot to make the Rams, but you know, he, there's a reason why, from a football player standpoint, and from the, the you know his tape that he put together in preseason, that he should have gone on sign um, through waivers. Some some teams should have clean, claimed him, uh, but you know, I think that it's more or less teams just being, you know, the, the NFL season's about to start. I don't think they want the extra media um, attention and potential distractions that front offices are so paranoid of. Uh, you know, at, at the dawn of the new season. Um, so I do think it comes back to him just being a media, uh, you know, a, a media kind of guy, a, me, a media attention magnet, and not so much for football reasons. As a football player, he put on some really good tape. Uh, and I do think the Cowboys should definitely sign him, at least to the practice squad, and, and I'm sure he'll continue to play well there. And, you know, he may be a guy that can actually help you guys this year. Um, and so I like the move for Dallas if, they, if everything works out. JB, do you think I'm going to, I'm going to just let's just go right at it. Do you think the fact that this guy being openly gay and coming out is the reason why no one took a chance other than the Rams? And let's be honest, Rams taking a chance wasn't a real chance because everyone knew. Everyone knew that they were stacked. And so they got a pass if they didn't sign them. It was easy for them to take a shot, right? Do you think the homosexuality thing that everybody in the NFL is saying is a non-issue is is that is that what we're dealing with here? Unfortunately, I, I do believe so. I believe that's a large uh, portion of it. Uh, you look at the tape, he has played well. He's, he's gotten quarterback sacks. He's gotten pressures. That's what a defensive end is supposed to do. He's, uh, he's done it consistently throughout the preseason. And all you want to do is have the person, give them a chance to play. I don't care what your preference is. I don't care uh, what your background is. Give them a chance to play. He had the opportunity. He played well. Am I surprised the Rams uh, didn't have him sign on? Uh, as in make the team, no, I'm not surprised, as you said, they're stacked. I'm a bit surprised that he didn't make the practice squad, and I'm extremely surprised that he hasn't fallen on anybody's practice squad up until now with the Cowboys looking like they're on the verge of signing him. So do I think this has all to do with his homosexuality? Yeah, I do. I, I agree with Case, but I don't think anybody wants the circus, and that's too bad. 
because he really has put up the numbers to warrant a spot on someone's practice squad. Trey, I'm going to ask you a little bit of a different question. You had Rod Marinelli as your defensive coordinator. You know him quite well. Could, could, is this the type of player that Rod Marinelli can develop and eventually make him a starter and make him a productive part of the NFL? Uh, from what I saw from Michael Sam in the preseason, I would say yes. Uh, actually, and it's funny that you said that you hope that the Cowboys will pick him up because uh, the minute they said he was released and then he no longer that he actually cleared waivers and no one had signed him to a practice squad, Dallas is the team that came up in my head. Just mm. it, it really did. Dallas was the team that came up because I knew you guys were injured on the D line. Yep. And I was like, well, with what I saw in the preseason, I think this guy's good enough to play in the NFL. So, I mean, as sad as it is, it is based on the fact that he came out and said he was open. Yes, that's why he's not sitting on someone's roster right now. Because I've seen, I mean, unfortunately Chicago is kind of, you know, we retooled our defensive line even before the draft, and our main thing was D-tackle. So defensive ends isn't the position that we need. Uh, but... I knew Dallas need defensive help, and I know there are some other teams that need defensive alignment help. And I saw this guy really perform uh, during the preseason. Like, he, was, he got, you know, uh, tackles and sacks like every, every game, at least maybe like four to five tackles and a sack almost every game. And normally when you have a seven-round pick play like that, they at least make a practice squad. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's, be, let's call it like it is. Um, he didn't, and, 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 and I will agree that homosexuality had a lot to do with it. I'll also say that part of it was his own fault because you guys remember when we did our draft show, our post-draft show, I commented on the fact that when he was drafted and they had the cameras on him, he's there hugging and kissing on his partner, and there's nobody else around, just him and his partner. And the whole focus was on, was on that, and it just looked staged. And not everyone believed me, agreed with me, until a few days later, he had a deal signed with Oprah Winfrey to do a reality show. And then pressure from the Rams and pressure from the NFL, and he, he realized it wasn't a good look. And to his credit, he, he pulled out of that deal. But he was, he was you, you can't decide to be Martin Luther King for homosexuals. It's just got to happen. You know, Martin Luther King didn't say, oh, I'm going to be Martin Luther King. He just did what he thought was right and became one of the greatest civil rights activists ever. Michael, Sam, you got to do what you think is right, but focus on playing football and making an NFL team. And it's okay that you're, you're open about your homosexuality, but when you take it too far, this is what happens. Now, everything that you're trying to accomplish, you don't even got a stage to accomplish it. Unfortunately, Cowboys look like they're going to step up, and frankly, if they didn't, we might have seen the 49ers try to get in there and get them with, with what's been going on with their defense. So I believe you're going to get a shot, and I'm happy to have you in Dallas, but come and play football. Let everything else work itself out. Let all that other stuff take care of itself. Don't worry about being the, the, the spokesperson, okay? Just do, just do your thing and everything or where you seem like. He really does seem like a nice young man. He seems well-mannered. He seems intelligent. You know, he, he seems okay. Well, you, you've got the skills. You've got the tools. You're starting to say the right things in interviews now. You said, I, I feel confident that I will continue my NFL career, blah, blah, blah. You know, you, you just stick with that. And everything else will work itself out. 
everything else will work itself out. But he was his worst, worst enemy, if you ask me. Um, not that it's all his fault. There's still biases and prejudices out there. But he didn't help. You know, see, whoever advised him, they advised him wrong. But hopefully he comes on Dallas Cowboys practice squad, and maybe by week four or five, <laughs> you know, they can get him in there and he can wreak some havoc because Lord knows they need, to, they need that help and then some. Um, speaking of hot press items, everybody knows that Ray Wright uh, was suspended uh, two games for domestic violence, and uh, Roger Goodell took a whooping on that one. And the NFL, they took a whooping. And so Goodell now comes out and says um, that, that, that uh, he was wrong and that he apologizes and um, that they've revised the policy. And so now, you know, first offense, six-game suspension, second offense, lifetime ban. And a day or two after, we've got Ray McDonald of 49ers arrested for domestic violence. And Ray McDonald's defense is saying the truth will come out. So he's, he is obviously proclaiming uh, or Im- implying uh, innocence. So we will let the, 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 the uh, court system, the legal system take over there. But um, uh, let me start with you, Train, on this one. What are your thoughts on Goodell changing based on pressure from everybody? Do you think he did the right thing? Um, I would have to say I'm I'm not sure. Um, I, I, when I look at the Ray Rice situation, when he actually delved out the suspension, um, I looked at it from this point of view. The only thing that everyone see, everyone saw was Ray Rice dragging her out. No one knows what happened inside the elevator. Nothing but the two people in the elevator and the commissioner. So I felt whatever punishment he gave Ray Rice was pinning on the entire story that no one else saw. And, uh, I mean, the message about it is definitely wrong, but, you know, if, if, if there's no telling what causes it. No one knows how, how it gets sparked. I mean, to, to just... I mean, no man should hit on a woman at all, but, you know, it's a different story when you're trying to protect yourself. But you've got to know the full story in order to actually give out a real punishment. What he's changed to now, to me, is, like, fairly steep. Uh, but I can understand uh, based on the severity of the situation. Uh, K-Star, what do you think? I want to go in more detail about just the reaction to the reaction from the NFL a little later, but, um, I mean, I do want to say that it's kind of <clears throat> interesting that, you know, when the NFL makes its move to respond to the Ray Rice situation, um, a lot of people have issue with how the NFL responds to it. When at first the, the issue was that they had a re, they had their uh, issue with the NFL was they didn't respond to it appropriately enough. I think it's funny how quickly people uh, are either it's one side or another completely on opposite ends of the spectrum. Either you you, you know you think the NFL is doing too little, or now you're they're overcorrecting it. It's never like something in the meeting. It's never oh the NFL you know they got this right. It just seems like there's always just a bunch of heap of criticism thrown on Roger Goodell, and sometimes rightfully so. Don't get me wrong, he's done a lot of things I don't agree with. 
But I just find it interesting, the social commentary that kind of goes on with that. JB, your thoughts? Well, it's a tough situation to be in to uh, make that kind of, of decision. Uh, and I think, I think we all need to take one step back and realize that the Ray Rice incident kind of needs to be placed in a bubble because I don't recall anybody else having their fiancé come into the picture to have the suspension talked down. Uh, that's a first for me. Maybe I'm just missing it. But that alone changes and alters the situation of, of what happened with Ray Rice a bit. With that being said, I think the commissioner really had no choice but to levy such a, a stiff penalty because domestic violence isn't something that should be taken lightly. It's probably something that needs to be taken on a case-by-case basis, and I think it's really too soon to tell whether or not this is the correct way to go. I think he really has no choice. I don't think he's going to be right or wrong no matter what he does with it just because of how it all started. So we're going to have to just really wait and see. It's a step in the right direction, but I don't think this is the final, the final tally. Also, to 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 add to the uh, the, um, the the ban that he had, if I recall, there's a, a one year uh, he can apply for reinstatement for those that are uh, banned for life. So that's something to add in also. Mm. Well, let me just say this: um, I think the fact that she campaigned for a light, lighter sentence is irrelevant. It doesn't matter because um, you don't know the motivation for that. You don't know if she did it out of fear. You don't know if she did it out of love. So that's not relevant. Um, what's relevant is what actually happened in that elevator. We don't know. The league knows because they saw the video. We don't know, and that's what's relevant. And that's my problem is you did two games. We don't know what happened, but everyone gets the sense that it was more severe then two games would have justified. Now you're saying first offense, six games. Okay, so now you're swinging the other way. I don't think you can blanketly say first offense, six games. I think every situation has to be case by case. So if I beat the crap out of you, right, I beat you to a pulp, I'm getting for six games if it's the first time I did it. But if, if I, but it, and if I break your cell phone, which, believe it or not, is considered domestic violence. I get into a fight with my girlfriend. I break her cell phone. That's considered domestic violence. I can also get suspended for six games. So whether I beat the hell out of you or break your cell phone, I got six games. I'm sorry. There's a problem here. I don't think what he. I think what he did was extremely reactionary and covering his butt and appealing to the people that said the penalty was too stiff. I mean, was too light. So now he wanted to come out with something across the board stiff. Well, I don't think that's appropriate. Now, now, I agree. Domestic violence is horrible. If a guy puts his hands on a woman or does something, there needs to be a punishment. The punishment needs to fit the crime, period. You know? And, 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 and you do your due diligence and you determine. You know? Now, if a guy beats the crap out of, out of the woman, I would be okay with a lifetime ban right away. Frankly, you're done. We don't con- I'm your employer. That is not permitted. You do not, you're not able to do that. You broke it. You're out of the league. Goodbye. No, you don't get a second chance. Okay? I would have been okay with that. You know? So to me, I think you're removing the ability to look at it on a case-by-case scenario and make the appropriate decision based on the facts of that incident and then say that incident should be four games. Six games, eight games, two games, no games. We're going to fine you, you know. 
I, I don't know. I think you're removing the the ability to do that, and I don't agree with that at you all. You think it's too black and white, right? I Pretty think much. it is. I think it is. I mean, I, that, I, that, that I do agree with. And actually, the one concern with that I have is that it kind of opens the NFL players up to be targets more so than ever before. Absolutely, K-Star. Absolutely. I'm worried about that. Absolutely. And, and again, I think everyone listening should not hear us to be defending the NFL players or saying that there's any tolerance for any type of domestic violence. But there are scandalous people out there. Yep, there are uh, scandalous women out there hmm. that will manipulate and, and do whatever they can to get what they want. And, and pro athletes are targets. So don't give them another tool. I'm in a hotel with a fine woman, and I'm the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. And she says to me, um, give me, give me $100,000 or I'm going to scream rape. And guess what? You're, going, you're, you're out six games right away. Don't say that. Not, that couldn't happen. Yeah. Right, Big, Big Ben? Right? Yeah, don't no, say that. that right? Don't say it. It can't happen. And, and, and I'm not even, saying even that. Colin Kaepernick, even you know, what happened over the offseason with all that all the question marks. I mean, if it's so black and white, like I think it would have been ridiculous for Colin Kaepernick to get suspended six games for that. And I'm worried that, again, it's going to open these players up to more, right. just be more targets and have more uh, collateral against them. And, so I'm going to watch this Ray McDonald. I'm going to watch this Ray McDonald. Now, he came out and said, you know, what he had to say. And you never know because, you, you know, uh, you know, what's the guy going to say? He said, truth's going to come out, you know. And, um, you know, I think about uh, Richie Incognito. And, you know, the, the stuff that went on last year wasn't domestic violence, but, you know, the bullying and the racism and, you know, did turn out to be um, more than what everyone thought in the beginning. And it, it turned out to be a little bit different than everybody thought in the beginning. Um, so I think we have to wait and see what happens with Ray McDonald. But I, I think the NFL has to be you, you have to be careful with these. But this isn't. This is this is different. This isn't you pass you you fail the drug test, you're out four games. Okay, I'm okay with that. This isn't black and white like that. This is very gray, <laughs> very gray. Okay, and, and and to have a blanket rule that says first first you know uh, offense out six games, boom. I I just I just think you're you're, you're, you're I think there's going to be problems from it. I predict that that we're going to see problems with this rule. Even everybody's applauding it now because they haven't had to apply it yet. Wait till it gets applied. JB, um, Patriots backup quarterback Mallet traded to Houston. Your thoughts on? Well, you know, let's 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 look at this from two angles because I honestly, right now, I have to go look up and see what a Patriots backup is because I don't know. Um, so so you know, clearly the Patriots. This guy's been a Patriot, I think, maybe three years, maybe longer, I don't know, at least three years. Um, so clearly the Patriots are saying. Uh, Tom Brady's their man for at least another couple few years, or you know they're not worried about it. But um, talk to me about your thoughts now that uh, Fitzpatrick. There's another Ryan there. I mean, it, it, which Ryan's going to get the job? Is, is, is Fitzpatrick still going to be a lock at starter, or is this guy going to come in and take the job? What do you think? Well, let's let's uh, do like you said. Let's back up to the Patriots' backup, which was on is George Garoppolo now out of I believe Eastern Illinois. Um, Oh, the Tony Romo wannabe. Yeah, yeah. He's played very well in his preseason. I think he opened up a lot of eyes. And I think I think the progress that he's made in such a rapid time is so much Second more round than what Mallet did. What was that? Second-round draft pick. Yeah, and, and to add to that, second-round draft pick. So I, I think 
the writing was on the wall that Mallet was going to be either be released or traded, just one of the two who was going to be the best um, suitor for him as well as what was going to be the best bait to get back. And it, it makes sense to go to Houston. I don't think Fitzpatrick is the key there. I think he is just a sub for whoever is going to take over the reins full-time. And Mallet really isn't that bad of a quarterback. He doesn't have a huge resume, but he's got the size, he's got the stature. I think he would fit well in O'Brien's offense. Obviously, a lot remains to be seen because we haven't seen what he can do in a, a Texan uniform. But I believe that with the, the quarterback issues that Houston has, Mallet would probably be their best bet going forward, especially when they only gave up, I think, a sixth or a seventh-round pick in, uh, in next year's draft. So uh, a good trade for, for Houston, and I think Garoppolo is going to be the heir apparent as of right now anyway. A lot, a lot of things can happen, but I think he's the heir apparent for, for Tom Brady when he decides to hang him up. I, I forgot about him, and he actually broke uh, um, pretty much just about every record Romo had over in Eastern Illinois. So um, he, he, this guy actually isn't a bad quarterback. So uh, I, I forgot that the Patriots grabbed him. So yeah, you very, very well, very well done, JB. You're, you're right. Um, K Star, your, your, your thoughts. Uh, well, I mean, it kind of says a lot about the Texans not having a lot of confidence in their quarterback situation a week before the season to make the trade. Um, so I think that's more of an indictment on, on Fitzpatrick. They only gave up a seventh-round pick, additional six-rounder if he, I guess, plays 60% of snaps, I believe, the season's what I heard. Um, I think if, if Fitzpatrick struggles, they, they at least give him a chance. Um, because, you know, they brought him in a week before the season. You know, they traded for him. Uh, I feel like, again, if they're struggling – they're probably going to at least want to get a look at him, see if he has the tools to potentially be a starter for next season. So I really would not be surprised if we see Ryan Mallett at some point this season. Yeah, and, 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 and let, me just, let, me just, let me just say this. Um, you will see Ryan Mallett at some point in the season because Ryan Fitzpatrick is not very good. Okay? I don't, I don't know what – I mean, I don't know why y'all dancing around. He ain't that good. You know, he's a smart guy. He went to Harvard, Yale, somewhere. I don't know where he went. Um, but he ain't that good. So, yeah, Mallet's going to get his shot. There's no doubt about it. He's going to get his shot. Um, Trey, thoughts? Uh, but Bill O'Brien is from um, Patriots. Uh, Belichick's coaching tree, right? Yep, absolutely. Okay, yep. That says enough for me. Because when I saw the move, I was like, oh, he knows Ryan Mallet. A little better than the quarterbacks that he has. And none of the quarterbacks that he has has really, you know, proven anything in the NFL. So why not go for go with a guy that you've seen practice for the past few years? Yeah. Uh, Fitzpatrick did go to Harvard. I just thought I'd look that up real quick. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, I, I just I, – I really don't think – I mean, unless Fitzpatrick turns into something that – we haven't really seen. He's had flashes, but he has not been consistent. So unless he turns, unless all of a sudden he turns into, I mean, he's 31 years old. So I think, you know, I, I don't, I don't see it. But I, I think, I think Mallet's going to get in there. Mallet's going to get an opportunity. Now, now, continuing with the theme of the Texans, because the Texans, uh, let, you know, let go of uh, Schaub and Schaub, Matt Schaub went over to Oakland, and uh, supposedly to take over the starting job as a Raider and get a fresh start. Matt Schaub was a decent quarterback a couple years ago, but then last year he just fell apart. Well, lo and behold, Derek Carr um, 
who, you know, quite frankly, I haven't paid a lot of attention to because I remember um, his brother David Carr was horrible. And he played for the Texans, and he was horrible. And so I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to watch this guy. But I saw a couple of clips. He actually might, he, might, he might actually be okay. Well, what's amazing about this, and I'll be uh, curious to get you guys' thoughts on it, is Derek Carr will be the only rookie starting quarterback in the NFL this weekend. And Blake Bortles, pick number three, is not starting. Johnny Manziel, of course, we know, isn't starting. And Teddy Bridgewater is not starting. These guys all went in the first round, and none of them are starting. This guy uh, went in the second round, and he's going to be the only one starting in the NFL. Um, JB, I'm going to start with you again. It, you know, what, well, two questions. Did the Raiders make the right move, and what does this say? Uh, is this it for Matt Schaub? Is he, is he at the end of uh, – is this it for him? And uh, is it, is it optimi- op- time to be optimistic for Derek Carr and the Raiders? Because the Raiders have done some retooling. Is this finally their time maybe to come back and be competitive? I definitely believe that it's a good move for, uh, for the Raiders to have Carr as a starter. I've actually had a chance to watch him at, at Fresno State uh, – caught a few games, and I saw how he plays. He, he's impressive. He's smart. He's got a quick release, makes good decisions, and, and has an above-average arm. Uh, I think the knock on him, unfortunately, was because of his older brother, who really wasn't that bad with the Texans. He just didn't have any offensive line help to keep him up. <laughs> when he made decisions, he was all right, but he was spending most of the time on his back. And I think a lot of folks look at Derek Carr and think he's going to be just like his brother, and he's not. Jay, he's a different Jay, player, and he's, he's got more ability. Jay, David Carr was horrible. He was horrible. It wasn't. It wasn't no, just offensive line. He was horrible. He couldn't throw. He threw. He threw. He he threw interceptions. He made bad decisions. He held the ball too long. He was horrible. He had flashes. He's an alpha quarterback. He's going to have flashes. So did Tim Tebow. He had flashes. He was horrible. Played for the Giants. He was horrible. I'm talking about when he was with the Texans. Hey, yeah, I know. He yeah, was drafted by the Texans. First pick. I I know. He played. He played a few seasons for him. It wasn't like two seasons. He was done. So. He, he must have played halfway decent at some point. I'm not oh, putting him as quarterback of the year, but he had enough flashes to be a Texas quarterback for quite some time. But I think his overall issue, number one issue, was a poor offensive line. Then you can start breaking down everything else, but you got to have an offensive line just to have a chance, and he didn't even have that. Uh, so but if you're a quarterback that's, for that's quite some time, that means, that, that means that you're good because you played quarterback for quite some time? No, that means you've at least done something right to be a quarterback for quite some time. Oh, they he was couldn't doing get something right. Really, you, 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 you believe that? You believe because you're able to be a starting quarterback for quite some time that that means that you're doing something right and that's enough to not say that you suck? The guy was horrible. That's, you oh. just said it, though. You said it. He is getting a bad rap because of his brother. There is a reason for that because his brother was mm-hmm. not very good. Remember, the Texans were a new franchise, Okay. And they brought him yep. in to lead the new franchise. This wasn't an established franchise. People didn't want to go play for the other team in, in Texas. So it wasn't like they had people banging on their doors wanting to go play for them. The team wasn't very good for a while, and Carr wasn't very good. And Carr, everywhere he went, I know he played for the Giants. He might have played one other place, too. He just wasn't good. He, he just wasn't. And, and the biggest knock, frankly, was what I just said. He held the ball too long. He didn't know how to get rid of the ball. You can say it was the offensive line, but it really was him. It was really more him than the offensive line. He held the ball too long. He was like he was like a a, a broke Drew Bledsoe. 
That was Drew Bledsoe's issue. But Drew Bledsoe could pass. You know, mm-hmm. Drew Bledsoe actually, you know, he he could pass. But, you know, yeah, it was like that. Without Drew Bledsoe. Well, so. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, but anyway, I, I just, well, I, I, guess, I watched uh, this I'm, guy. I'm not so quick to put the, the emphasis on, on Carr as far as why he performed so poorly as you are. I think I just leave that that. As far as Derek Carr goes, I think he deserves this opportunity. I think he's played well enough in the preseason, and I do believe that is the death knell for uh, for for Matt Schaub. He's what 32, 33 years old, something like that. I think his best years are behind him, and he's probably just going to be a backup from now on. Hmm. All right, K Star, you want to jump in here? Did you lose K Star? K Star. All right. Dr. Train, any thoughts on the Derek Carr starting, Matt Shaw back up? I actually like it. I, I never had any faith in Matt Shaw. <laughs> Period. I'm sorry, that dude was horrendous last season. And for a guy that was that at one point had Houston's office, I mean, he was he was he was privileged of the play action, you know, but once um once Aaron Foster was uh was out with injury. You you really saw the true Matt Shaw. The dude just can't drop back and pass. It was he benefited from from the talent that was around him. And you know, not to say he got a whole lot of talent for the for the Raiders, but when I saw Carr play the last game against Seattle and he played, you know, at least a series or two against Seattle number ones, he looked good. He looked like a quarterback that's not afraid to throw the ball. And in a sense, sometimes that's just what you need, someone who's not afraid to throw the ball, not afraid to make his, make his mistakes. I mean, he's going to take his knocks. I ain't saying he's going to be perfect, but uh, I think it was a nice move for the, for the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Having mm-hmm. zero faith in Shaw. Zero. Mm-hmm. And, and, and right there in the car. And just so Brother Jay remembers that, you know, his brother knows what he's talking about. Just a little quick one on David Carr. Um, career, 65 touchdowns, 75, 71 interceptions. Uh, his first two seasons in Houston, he threw nine touchdowns each season. His high ever for touchdowns was 16. He had he had uh, quarterback ratings of 62.8, 69.5, uh, 83.5, 77.2, 82.1. Um most of it, his career completion percentage, just under 60%. I mean, the guy was, wasn't very good. He just wasn't. And I watched a lot of his games, and he just, I'm just saying, he, just, he really wasn't good. Now, I haven't watched a lot of Derek Carr, and I will admit, I prejudiced myself knowing that David Carr really didn't play well, in my opinion, so I didn't really watch the guy. I happened to catch a couple of clips and said, oh, not bad. Like, you know, kind of caught, caught my eye a little bit. So... I will admit I am guilty of not giving Derek Carr a full review because I knew his brother wasn't very good. But, you know, that's not always the case. You know, that I will agree could be he could come out and be great. He could come out. Oakland hasn't had a great quarterback, man, since what, Rich Gannon? Um, And even I I would go – I wouldn't even call Rich Gannon great, but he was was solid. You know, got him to a Super Bowl. He He was a solid quarterback. Um, that was what, 10, 12 years ago. So um, they they need something steady in there, and maybe maybe this rookie, maybe this is his time. Uh, let me see if we got K Star or not. K Star, are you with us? Yeah, can you hear me? I can. Great, got disconnected. Um, yeah, David Carr. 
as far as his career went, I mean, he kind of, yes, he was bad. But how much of it was really he was beaten to a pulp kind of bad? I mean, he was put on an expansion team. Let's not forget that. He was sacked, what, 70-plus times. I know he holds a sack record his first mm-hmm. season in the league. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, he held on to the ball sometimes. But his first season, he just was pummeled. Or I, I digress on about the other car. Uh, Derek, his name is Derek, correct? Derek, yeah. Yep. Derek Carr. Yeah, he looked really good this preseason. I mean, we know it's his preseason, but his skills, um, they were pretty impressive. It looks like he has a nice accuracy, nice, definitely an athletic guy. Um, and so, I, I mean, at least for the Raiders' sake, I feel like he gives them more of a, of a chance to be competitive this season. I mean, I think we all can agree the Raiders, regardless, will not amount to anything. But at the very least, um, you know, a chance to be more competitive than what Matt Job can do. And so I think for the Redskins, or I'm sorry, for the Raiders, uh, that's an exciting, um, uh, exciting progression made by him, and and just and, and in general, just start, uh, you know, with him at the, the New York Jets, uh, the first game of the season. They, I mean, maybe they're a sleeper team this season. Who knows? Maybe they uh, can go eight and eight and eight. But I mean, as long as he shows flashes and uh, and and continues to progress, maybe they have someone there. He was a high second round pick. Uh, looked pretty good. So I'm for the Raiders. For Raiders Nation, for those guys, I'm I'm pretty excited. Because yeah. who the hell would want to watch Matt Schaub all season? I mean, that would suck. Uh, he was well, well. Matt Schaub was horrible last year. I mean, it was just yeah. bad. All those pick sixes and 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 don't forget, Raiders got uh, Jones Drew now, and um, who else did they get? They picked up a few players. They got Jones a lot of Drew's people. James yeah, James Jones, yeah, James yep, Jones, James that Jones. receiver. Yeah, yep. uh, a lot of defensive guys. They added. Lamar Woodley from my Steelers, Justin Tuck, yes. you know, drafted, yes. uh, drafted Mac second overall. Uh, so they got some pieces. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, all right. And and just a, just a side commentary. Um, there is news that Josh Brent – now, Josh Brent is a um, – was a Dallas Cowboy, um, was uh, drunk, driving with – um, Jerry Brown, who was also on the Cowboys practice squad, these two are very good friends, and they were out partying and, and drinking, and it was a car accident. Josh Brent was was driving, and Jerry Brown was killed in a car accident. And uh, Josh Brent did serve some time. Um, the the mother, you know, begged for leniency and said, you know, it was just an accident, but you know, doesn't want to ruin his life. Blah blah blah. Long story short. Um, the Cowboys have really, you know, for all the things you want to say about Jerry Jones, and we'll talk a little bit more about Jerry Jones in a little bit, but the guy's loyal. The guy stands by his players, and he has stood right by Josh Brent. But Josh Brent was suspended for 10 games, um, and so we're not sure what that's going to mean because he's not officially back with the Cowboys, but it looks like there could be some possibilities that Josh Brent could actually rejoin the Cowboys later in the season. Now, if he has anything like what he had before all this went down, it would be a good move. Now, as played football in two years, sometimes these guys are out for two years and they're never the same. So we don't know. But with the de- he's a defensive tackle and he's a big body, clog up the middle. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> you know, Dallas has had a lot of problems down the stretch in, in the last few years. If this guy can get into shape and be a productive part of that defense – with Rod Marinelli running that defense, this this could be, you know, something for Cowboy fans to look forward to down the road, assuming that there's still something to play for by that time. Um, but anyway, 
Uh, oh, and just got a note. Josh Brent will appeal decision to delay reinstatement. So I guess he's he's probably thinking, look, I already went to jail. I already, you know, <laughs> I haven't played football in two years. Why do I need why do you need to suspend me for ten more weeks? Um, if I were him, I would take the ten week suspension. But that's just my opinion. All right, um, back to the show. And let me remind everybody, 347-838-9525, 347-838-9525. You can catch us on Twitter, at The Madden Voice. You can catch us on Facebook. Just look up, uh, just head in that little search box, box and type The Madden Voice. We will be here uh, every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Uh, Western Time, bringing you the best NFL talk anytime, anywhere. Now I am glad to turn the show over to my co-host, K-Star, who has a segment of his very own. Actually, let me give K- I'm going to give K-Star a little music. Let me give K-Star a little music. Uh, hold on, K-Star. I'm going to give you a little music. Let me see if I can find it. Hold on, hold on. I got a little music for you, K-Star. I just got to see if I can find it. Um, oh, man, where did it go? Hold on. It's coming. There it is. This is for K-Star. A little music. like that huh <laughs> I like that that was that was good that was solid stuff right there um listen guys it's been a while it's been a while since we dropped that bonafide on you um but this year it's with a new twist I mean last year we were talking about some bonafide players some who were bona fronts which basically means people if you're a bona front you are fool's gold. You are a fraud. You are not proven. We do not believe you. We need more people. We need more, some, we need more film, some game tape on you. But that was from an NFL player standpoint last year. This year, we're going to take it a little bit. We're, we're going to take a step to the left. I don't know if it's a step forward. I don't know if it's a step back. I mean, we'll let you people be the judge. But we're going to dance into the fantasy realm, and we are going to look over some of these players, some of these guys who are – you know, questionable, who people uh, consider to be, you know, some people are on, on one side of the fence or another on a few players. And I'm going to tell you right now who's bona fide and who is not. And we're going to start at Philadelphia with none other than Nicholas Foles. Now, you know what? I'm going to put all my eggs in one basket. And I'm going to tell all of you right now that Nick Foles is indeed bona fide. This is a guy who – Let's be clear, if you buy into Nick Foles, or conversely, if you buy into Chip Kelly, you're buying into Nick Foles. If you buy into that Philadelphia offense uh, being a mainstay, being a top offense in the NFL this season, then you have to like Nick Foles. To me, it doesn't make sense to be, you know, um, believing in that offense but not believing in Nick Foles because the guy, to me, within that system is terrific. Now, a lot of players, a lot of analysts kind of get off base when they look at and assess players. Sometimes they – specifically with the player too much. When you buy into a fancy player, in my opinion, you've got to buy into the parts around them. And with Nick Foles, I buy into the parts around them. I buy into the offensive line. I buy into the scheme. I buy into LaShawn McCoy, Darren Sproles, Jordan Matthews, Riley Cooper, all those guys working as a cohesive unit because I don't see the Eagles' offense slowing down this season. In fact, I see it evolving. So, ladies and gentlemen, Nick Foles, to me, this season is bona fide. And 
Um, I, I personally have my share of Nick Foles in quite a few leagues, and I feel very confident about it. Uh, a lot of people would rather be late to the party, um, you know, because they want to be scared. They, they want to see more. But I've seen enough. To me, Nick Foles and, and Chip Kelly could be the next Breeze and Peyton. They have that kind of potential within that scheme. Again, Drew Brees, when he first went to New Orleans, people had questions if he could, you know, keep playing at that level. That, you know, said that he was just an average talent with an accurate arm. Well, we've seen players like that prosper within the right system, and we've seen it over time. I am definitely saying that Nick Foles is bona fide. So I want you to define bona fide for us. Now, when you're saying bona fide, you're saying legitimate, you're saying a star, you're saying, you know, what are you saying? When you say he's bona fide, he's the real deal, he's a, he's a good fantasy player, he's going to get you points, he's a good pro player, he's going to win some games. We, we, you know, be, I want to be clear because I, we're going we're to respond to these, and I want to know what I'm responding to. Okay. Uh, for me, bona fide is um, a player who not only is starter worthy, but also uh, very, very good to elite. And I think that Nick Foles is a very good player who has an elite ceiling as far as his fantasy football realm goes this season. Mm. Okay. Uh, let's take it one player at a time. Uh, okay, uh, let's go to Train. And, and do, you, do you agree with uh, K-Star? So this is just in perspective to fantasy football. Yes, sir. We are in the fantasy realm right now. Okay. If that in that case, I'm gonna have to do it in comparison to other quarterbacks, and I'm just gonna have to call him just run the front. Nothing really mm-hmm. major. About Nick Foles. I saw the season he last he had last season, but they got film on him this year. I don't see the I don't see the same repeats uh, statistics, or even better. Uh, he understands the offense, but everyone's seen the offense now, and everyone's seen him play. They now have film. They now have his tendencies. So I expect defenses to play him a lot tougher. As a matter of fact, all they got to do is put on the film of Dallas versus Philly. Dallas defense always did a pretty good job against him. The worst defense in the NFL, mind you. Um, yeah. I, I have nothing to add. I agree with everything Train said. He, he, he took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, JB? Well, it, it's hard to disagree with y'all, too, because I think if, if memory serves correctly, uh, Foles had 27 touchdowns and just two interceptions last year. I mean, really, where do you go from there? Where, where do you go from there? What, 29 touchdowns and no interceptions? I don't think so. Is he going to have a solid year? Yes. Uh, is he going to be able to put the numbers up that he had last year? I don't think so. Also, who's the backup quarterback in, in, uh, in Philadelphia? Isn't it Mark Sanchez? How much has he really pushed yes. him in preseason? Don't really know yet. So it adds to that. Defense have had a full year to pre- or a full offseason to prepare for the Chip Kelly offense, the Nick Foles uh, offensive scheme that he's going to have. I don't see him having the year he had. I think he's going to regress. Do I still think he's going to have a solid year? Yes, just nothing like last year. Okay. okay. Um, real quick, I think that Nick Foles is a guy who – once you get past, I don't think it's going to be top three or anything. We know who the three big, the big three, I should say, are in terms of fantasy, and that's Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. Um, you can argue Brady uh, at the fourth spot, but last year he was kind of off. Uh, but you know, I think Drew, or I'm sorry, I'm, I, I believe Nick Foles definitely is top five potential, and um, as far as fantasy football goes, anyway, at quarterback. Uh, are you kidding me? Top five. Not at all. Absolutely. He averaged 19.3 fans points per game last okay, year, which but, was but that, that was last year. That was his first year. Okay, let's go back to the year before. 
Yeah, but let's go back to your RG3 the year before. What happened last year? We This, this NFL, remember, Chip Kelly not runs for long. a gimmick. That's right, and Chip Kelly runs a gimmick offense. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I, I, I. This is not me saying that Chip Kelly didn't do a good job with the Eagles, and Chip Kelly won't do what he needs to do to adjust. But the defenses, as I've told you guys for years, and we've been doing the show, the defenses always figure it out. We went to read option and the spread and all this stuff, and RG three and Kaepernick and all these guys, and the defenses caught up. <clears throat> this guy, we got film on him now. Okay, and don't forget, Deshaun Jackson, who is an incredible deep threat, is gone. It's just not going to be. Will he be productive? Yeah, yeah, he'll get some. He'll get some things done. But top five, when you already know who the top three are, so now that's only leaving two spots. And like you said, Brady more times than not is going to take that spot. More times than not, if Amendola is healthy and Gronkowski is healthy, Brady's going to get that fourth spot. So now we got one. We got. One quarterback left, and I'm gonna tell you, I can I could probably sit here and name five that I would take over Foles. Okay, I just don't see it. Top ten, we could argue, and I'd say you you might you might have a, a, a case maybe top ten maybe fantasy wise, but top five absolutely positively not. It's not gonna happen. Sad, and I and if anybody listens to that, I believe in Nick Foles. End of the day, yeah, you uh, believe in Cam Newton too. You believe in Cam Newton too? Yeah, and he and he, no he progressed last season. He progressed yeah, he did, last he did season. okay last year, but two years before that, you had him in the in the, in the Hall of Fame. So uh, you know what though? If, as far as fantasy football goes, Cam Newton top quarterback last two years. So just saying. Top five. Uh, next top five quarterback uh, last couple seasons in fantasy so, football. So wait a minute. So 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 Cam Newton's top five, and Nick Foles top five. So no, I oh, think oh, okay. Cam will be top five this season. Oh okay okay. All right. All right. Next we have who I love, and actually is on the AFL team I drafted, Mr. Cordero Patterson. Uh, this dude is electric. You know, this is the second year in the league. Um, there's a lot of hype on him, which means there's a lot of bust potential. But with Cordero Patterson, with that North Turner system, uh, he's going to be a featured guy. You know, when North Turner came in, the first thing he said was the first 10 plays he drew up were for Cordero Patterson specifically. Um, and I don't think Cordell Patterson's in line for a Josh Gordon year. However, I will say that, like Josh Gordon's in his second season, like Josh Gordon, under, uh, he's under North Turner's tutelage. And, you know, like, like Josh Gordon, uh, he, he, Cordero, has quarterbacks comparable, if not better, than what you know, Josh Gordon produced with last season. I think Cordero Patterson, at least, can be Percy Harvin-like, uh, and hopefully avoid those injuries, unlike Percy, in Minnesota. I mean, Josh Gordon did get a chance to play Adrian Peterson last season. And while I think Adrian Peterson is definitely the king of that offense, you know, I don't think anyone would dispute that, I think it allows Cordell Patterson ample opportunity to, you know, hit that defense uh, deep for six. So I love Cordell Patterson this season. Um, to me, he's a guy that could be top 15 and has elite talent to eventually get, you know, within the top five in a couple of years. But this season, um, really high on Cordell Patterson. I love him. Uh, that guy is a highlight film waiting to happen. So he's definitely bonafide. JB? You know, uh, I'm pretty high on Cordero Patterson myself. Um, I think with him as a kickoff return, and um, I think he does punt return also, but definitely kickoff return, I think he'll continue to highlight there. The only 
questionable spots I have really goes to the quarterback and offensive line. I'm not sure if Matt Castle slash Teddy Bridgewater are going to be able to get him the ball as often as they need to, and I don't know who's going to be alongside Patterson to take some of that pressure off getting him the ball. If that can be alleviated, yeah, I think he'll be bona fide this year also. It just comes with asterisk, but I'm high on him also. I think he's going to be a great player in the future. Dr. Train. I'm going to go with a uh, bona fide on this one. Um, the one thing I did see, uh, I know you questioned Matt Castle getting the ball. The one thing I did see is Matt Castle will throw the ball. And sometimes you just need a quarterback to pull that trigger. The other end of it is uh, he's very uh, dynamic, very explosive on special teams and can break it at any time on both punt and kick return. Uh, I actually do like what uh, Cordell Patterson uh, can do as far as fantasy football for this season. So I'm going to call him bona fide. Well, K-Star actually got this one right. Uh, this dude is the real deal. This dude, this, this, it, 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 yes, everything everybody said, this dude is poised to be a breakout star in the NFL. The problem will be the supporting cast. That will be the problem. Um, I think Castle will do some good with him, but you need Bridgewater. You need that mobility. You need that playmaker back there. And you get this is the combination of the future coming up here in Minnesota. So stay tuned. But this is what I see coming. Uh, by the end of this year, these two could be really lighting it up. So, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely, positively, 100% agree. And, yes, special teams. I'm really looking at uh, offense. Special teams is fine. But you know that once a guy becomes established as a wide receiver on the offense, they're taking him off special teams. They're only going to throw him back there in, in emergencies when we really need a good return uh, once he becomes established. We see it uh, time and time again. Um, so at the beginning part of the season, we'll probably see special teams, but as he starts to really develop and, and really um, you know, come into his own, and I think Bridgewater is going to have taken that job from Matt Castle. That's my own opinion. Um, I think this is going to be an incredible combination. So, yeah, bona fide all the way, if you ask me. Um, all right, K-Star. All right, next we have Andre Johnson. We all know the name. We all know the player. Great in the NFL. It's been pretty pretty damn good in fantasy football for years and years and years. Uh, but, but Andre Johnson, me this year, is going to front. And it's not, you know, it's not really his own fault. It's more or less the change in offensive scheme, but moreover, the change at quarterback. I mean, this team just traded for Ryan Mallett a week before the season. What do you think that potentially suggests? Now, you add in Andre Johnson's recent injury history, and you add in the fact that, you know, the Texans expect to be a running football team this season. And I just see trouble with Andre Johnson being bona fide as a number one receiver in fantasy, you know, high number two. I mean, the guy might be all right. You know, he, he probably gets you 1,000 yards, four touchdowns. But I think those 115, 120 catch seasons, um, 1,300, 1,400 yards are, are definitely behind him. You know, he's like 30, he's 32 years old, uh, age catching up to him. And, again, just in that offense, a new scheme. Um, and the fact that, you know, he held out, or he never necessarily hold out, but he definitely requested a trade this offseason. He's a little disgruntled, um, and, and I think that kind of has a carryover effect to his play this season. I'm not a fan of Andre Johnson, and it's crazy to say that, but uh, to me, Andre Johnson this season, as far as fantasy football goes, definitely going to front. I'll just agree. I, I, I will just agree. I won't get long-winded, but um, Andre Johnson going to front. That's all I'll say. Uh, Trey? Well, that's a tough one. Um, considering his considering the circumstances at quarterback, I I, just, I would have to go uh, 
bona front. I'm not sure what to say. I think if Aaron Foster returns back to form, uh, you may see that change because he just he just needs a quarterback to throw on the ball. JB. Yeah, I think I'm in line with Train too. I think um, looking at the stats from last year and the year before, I mean, we're talking about a guy that's had over 1,400 yards receiving the last two years, so um, and over 100 yard 100 receptions each of the last two years. Um, it really depends on the quarterback play and depends on Aaron Foster. If uh, if those two things can't hash out, then yeah, I say going in front. Okay. Definitely that. Uh, next, we're going to go to Le'Veon Bell, my own Pittsburgh Steelers running back, who uh high on my draft board, if you see why I did there. Um, Le'Veon Bell, luckily, per Mike Tomlin today, is playing week one. There's no, you know, they actually had said, uh, T, I know you had some concerns about this. Um, they did, the Steelers say that they want to let legal process play out before making a, you know, predetermined uh, 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 impulse reaction and suspend him. Uh, so you have Le'Veon Bell this season, um, you know, the Steelers starter, a guy last year who in standard scoring leagues actually uh, averaged 12.3 points per game, which was uh, fifth in the NFL on a per-game basis. He missed a few games last season. But let me tell you something. Le'Veon Bell is, is awesome. You know, he's a guy who's very – his biggest strength is actually up the backfield. He's a great receiver. Uh, the Steelers actually get creative with him. They'll line him up a receiver from time to time. Uh, he was tackled four times last season within the two-yard line off of reception. I expect his touchdowns to go up on the receiving category. The one caveat is pot potentially uh, LeGarrette Blunt stealing some goal line work. I personally don't see it. Le'Veon Bell was a goal line monster last season. I don't see why the Steelers would, you know, uh, go away from that uh, when Bell's been so good there. Um, so to me, Le'Veon Bell is absolutely bona fide. Um, as a number one, high and number two running back. Um, and if you got him when he slipped due to, you know, getting a little too high uh, in a car dealer, you know, about a week ago, then congrats to you. You got a steal. The Le'Veon Bell is definitely bona fide. Talk to Train. I, I do think Le'Veon Bell is, is bona fide. Um, I'm just disappointed in the Steelers organization and Mike Tomlin for not handling this on their own, truly handling this on their own. Said one thing and did another. JV. Uh, I put him as bona fide just because I don't think Blunt is going to really push him as hard as, as what the Steelers may expect. Uh, and with the Steelers being really a, a run-oriented team, even though you got Big Ben back there, I think just the number of opportunities that 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 Bell is going to see is going to make him bona fide. Um, I had uh, Le'Veon Bell last season. Um, I believe he got injured or something happened, and I didn't have him for a while. But while I did have him, he played very well, and I uh, was very productive. Um, or he was he suspended at the beginning part of the season last year? No, no, no. He uh, he actually had like a planchet or fitus, whatever it's called. Oh, that's what uh, I mean. He had a yeah. foot, foot injury first three weeks of the year. Okay. Well, I drafted him. And people were questioning it, but I said this guy's going to be something. I absolutely agree that he 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 he's a baller and he's a good fantasy pickup. Um, I will have to though agree with Train. Uh, I, I I am speechless. Uh, Mike Tomlin is to me when it, when you talk about leaders and you talk about discipline and you talk about a guy that commands respect. Um, they don't come any better than than Mike Tomlin. 
Um, I'll play this clip from uh, uh, that one of my favorite clips, Mike Tomlin clips, just since we talk about him. I just told the guys I appreciate the spirit and energy in which they fought. Um, please don't talk to me about moral victories and things of that nature. Uh, that'd be disrespectful to those guys in the room. Uh, we, we didn't get the job done. We came up short. Uh, we accept responsibility for that. Um, you know, we will not go gently. Uh, we're going to unleash hell here in December because we have to. We won't go into shell. We're going to go in attack mode because uh, that's what's required. But uh, came up short tonight. Uh, tough environment versus a good football team. I like to compliment. All right, that's that's all I needed to hear. That every time I hear that, it just it amps me up. I have a lot of respect for this I love guy. It. I really, do. yeah, I really do. I have a ton of respect for him. And like I said, I can take off my Dallas Cowboy hat because Dallas Cowboys, Pittsburgh Steelers, we don't get along. But I could take that off and look at it honestly and say this guy's a great coach, leader of men, motivator. I mean, he's you know love him. Big miss on this one to me, though. I don't give a damn about the legal process. Your two running backs were caught smoking weed in the car. You are the coach of the team. You sit them down and ask them what happened. This ain't about whether – this is not about whether they get uh, – you know, there's a court issue and they, they have to do – this is not whether the NFL. This is team rules. This is your team. You are a man known for discipline. So why aren't you – what do you mean you're going to sit there and wait for the court system to play themselves out? I mean, I think, you know, hey, I'm never one to rush to judgment. But it seems pretty clear here what went on. And you're going to sit back and allow these guys to play? Come on, man. Come on, man. I, I get it. It's a short game, short season. You give up one or two games, I get it. It's, it's tough to come back. Steelers had that problem last year. I get it. But it just doesn't look from outside in like this is being handled the way we know Mike Tomlin to normally handle these type of situations. That's how it's looking on from the outside in. Unless I see something different, it's just looking like there, there, there's excuses being made to allow these guys to keep playing. And there, there should be a, a team – there should be a team penalty here, period. That, that's my opinion. So, so still love Mike Tomlin, but on this one, I think he missed the boat. Mm. Uh, next we have C.J. Spiller. Um this guy was like a top five projected running back last year in fantasy drafts at, at the running back position. Uh, and to say he flopped would be an understatement. Hey, hey, K-Star, let me yes. just say uh, my mom's logging off. So, hey, Ma, thanks for listening. And uh, we will, uh, I'll probably talk to you tomorrow. But thanks for, uh, thanks for hanging in there for an hour. Appreciate it. Jay? And my sentiment is exactly. Ma, I'll talk with you tomorrow. Have a great night. All right. All right. Sorry, K-Star. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, C.J. Spiller, I mean, this guy, again, top five back last year, projected to be. And not only did he flop, he belly flopped last year. He killed a lot of fantasy teams. And, you know, the biggest thing with him is he was inconsistent. And this year, I see more of the same. Uh, to me, he's blown a front. You know, he definitely has a lot of potential. Uh, can definitely still have some big games. But if he's your number two running back, I think you're in trouble. Because I don't think you can rely on him. I mean, for me, fantasy football, a lot of it's about clarity and rational coaching. And I think he's some irrational coaching. I think he, the, the only thing we're really clear on in Buffalo is that Fred Jackson will steal touchdowns. And C.J. Spiller is, uh, you know, liable to get it, get injured. Um, so, to me, he's a bone of front. I don't know if you guys agree or disagree, but he's definitely an exciting player, high ceiling. But, for me, the risk is just too much in, in a situation in which he uh, honestly has a better teammate as far as uh, running the football purely. 
Uh, Bonafront, I fully agree. He's going backwards, you know, from 1,200 yards down to 900 yards and still about the same amount of carries. The Bills aren't very good, but, you know, still, um, you're not getting 1,000 yards. Uh, he has flashes, but it, it just it, it, he doesn't, to me, in my opinion, some, so I don't know what happened, but he did last year did not look like the same guy from the year before. So, yeah, I mean, he would, he'd be a good bench guy to come in and give you a game here and there. Uh, maybe a bye week, but I, I think if he's in your starting lineup, uh, I don't think he's going to stay there long, my opinion. Um, Dr. Train? On the front, firecracker in the bottle. <laughs> Cap still on. <laughs> ah, I like that one. <laughs> ah, firecracker in the bottle, capsule on. I like that one. All right, JB? That is a good one. Um, uh, unfortunately, I'm gonna have to go with Bonafront. Also, I, I, I'm really pulling for him because he's he's got the the skill set and he's got the capacity to be a, a great running back, but he can't seem to stay healthy. EJ Manuel, from from all the rumblings going on in Buffalo, hasn't played as well as he should be playing uh, during the preseason. And you got Fred Jackson still healthy, even though he's what 32 himself. Uh, so he's probably gonna steal some some yards and some touchdowns away from him also. So you wrap all of that up. Uh, I have to. Placing that bone in front, also. All right. I mean, that might, that might be an egg in the face situation in the, the year when we're looking at it. But I mean, yeah, like I said, I think we all agree that right now, bone in front. Um, next, we got the Gronk, Rob Gronkowski. Now, let's be real. This guy next to Jimmy Graham, uh, potentially even better than Jimmy Graham, best tight end in the game. Went on the field, went healthy. That's always the issue, though, is when healthy. Now, he said he's ready for this Week One game at, at Miami. Belichick said, hold your horses. We don't know if that's really the plan or not. Uh, I think he plays this Sunday. For me, Rob Gronkowski is bonafide because he's a guy that is worth taking a gamble on, unlike C.J. Spiller. C.J. Spiller, you just kind of have, you know, you, you hold your, your, your hands over your eyes and you pray for the best thing to happen. With Rob Gronkowski, you just enjoy the show. And you know what? If you do get Rob Gronkowski, if he is on your roster, just make sure you get a decent backup in case the Gronk do, does go down. But when he's on the field, He's what we call a difference maker, and he's a dominant force. Gronkowski is the definition of bona fide for me. Dr. Train. Gronkowski, if healthy, bona fide. The end. That's, that's not a straight answer. That is a straight answer. You said if healthy. Well, that's my answer. Okay, so is he? Would you draft him as a starting tight end on your fantasy football team? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Right now, based on what you know, you would take him. Yeah, based on what I know, I would take him. I was actually one of my guys I was looking to pick up in the draft. Just didn't get a chance to get him. Okay, JV. Yeah, I, I say the exact same thing. I think we're all in agreement. If he stays healthy, bona fide, and, I mean, really, that's the only way you can be healthy is, or be bona fide is to be healthy. 50 games, 42 touchdowns, hard to argue with that. And, yeah, I draft him too, so I, I'm just going to go right out there and call it bona fide. Well, no, we're not all in agreement. That's why we all get to speak individually. Uh, I wouldn't touch him. He'd be a backup to me. The guy gets hurt. The guy gets injured. 39 receptions last year. Um you know, four touchdowns. He's he's not durable. He's got to show me that he can go out there and not get hurt. Yes, Train was right. If if healthy, he's a monster. But that is not a that is not. A, I mean, 
Darren McFadden. Darren McFadden, right? Now, Gronkowski isn't quite McFadden yet, but he gets hurt this year. Now he's another Darren McFadden, if you ask me. You know, what good are you if you're on the sidelines every week? The guy gets hurt too much. Six foot seven, 260 pounds, can jump, can catch, big dude, and he's always hurt. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll go, I'll, you go ahead and take Gronkowski and get your seven games. I'll go ahead and take Jimmy Graham. I'll go ahead and take Jason Witten. You know, I'll go ahead, you know uh, there's plenty of tight ends that are going to give you 14 to 16 games of steady productivity. Gronkowski over the last two years has not done that, period. So, no, I, no, he would not. I would not take him as my starting tight end. And, and I think you guys, I think one of y'all just said it. He said, I'm ready to go. And Bill Belichick said, ah, let's just wait and see. Bill Belichick ain't stupid. <laughs> Belichick's like, hey, hey, man, I know what you're saying, but you said this before. Let's just see. We'll make this decision when it's time to make this decision and not a minute sooner. You know? So, no, I, no, I disagree with both of uh, I, I I say bona front because he gets hurt too often. Not because he can't play when he's healthy. I don't trust that he's not going to get hurt. I believe he will get hurt. I believe we will come right back on this show, and you guys will say, Commissioner T, the omniscient one stroke again. Doggone it all, Gronkowski's out again. Ankle sprain, whatever. <laughs> Watch. Watch. It's coming. Uh, he's definitely susceptible to it. But, I mean, just one of those things for me, he's worth the risk. Because if he, if he does stay healthy, and of course it's an if. Let me, let me ask you a player that a you didn't winner. include, but a player that you didn't include, but a top ten Top ten fantasy player, to my surprise, DeMarco Murray. But you didn't include him on your list. But what do you think? I mean, ask you, fantasy, fo- fantasy football guru, uh, K-Star, played in six leagues last year, won three out of six leagues, including our very own EAFL Fantasy Football League, by beating and upsetting myself, Commissioner TD. I'm missing one, okay? So you got the credentials, you got the credibility, you got, you know, you got the tutelage, you know what you're talking about. Ask you about DeMarco Murray. DeMarco Murray's considered a top ten fantasy player this year. What do you think? I'll put it like this. I had DeMarco Murray in two leagues I'm in. DeMarco Murray's bona fide. I love DeMarco Murray this year. He's another guy that has an injury history. We, I get it. You know, last year he missed two games, but he was absolutely dominant. Um, and, you know, in that offense, I think the Dallas Cowboys offense, if anything else, teams will be very, very exciting this season. Um, and DeMarco Murray averaged 13.6 fantasy points per game in regular standard scoring. And, you know, that was good enough for fourth last year at running back. I love DeMarco Murray. I think he's a stud. I think he's one of the, two, one of the true feature backs in the league. Um, just a, when he's on the field, absolute force. And last year he was on there for 14 of the 16, uh, the fantasy season. And to me, he's definitely bona fide. I don't think there's any question of that. DeMarco Murray in the last eight games of the season was the third leading rushing uh, running back in the NFL. Um, I have him on one of my fantasy teams because I'm a diehard Dallas Cowboy fan, not because I always draft with my head. Sometimes I draft with my heart. And he was there. He was the best available on the board, and I took him. Uh, I would just say I don't have much more faith in in DeMarco Murray as I do in Rob Gronkowski. He gets hurt every year, too. He's not he quite Darren McFadden yet, but he gets hurt this year, and now I'm, now I'm screaming Darren McFadden. You know, the, we need durability with players. We need guys – 
that can play, especially in fantasy football. You guys know, you know, you, you want to know that your starters are going to be there every week. And, yes, you got to go in the waiver wire and, and get your backups. But the less you have to do that and you know that these guys are going to be there, because that's what kills us from week to week is injuries. Yeah. And sitting there yeah. saying, okay, Gronkowski's out. There goes, there goes that 14 points for this game. Now where am I going to find 14 points? Oh, let me go get, you know, uh, uh, Grisham from uh, Cincinnati. Well, shit, he's a third-string <laughs> tight end now. Well, damn, that ain't going to work. Now what am I going to do? That's our battle from week to week. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to steal your thunder, K-Star. I just I get irritated only because these guys get hurt, and, 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 and they could be superstars. Gronkowski should be the best tight end in the game, period. Hands down, he should be, but he ain't because he gets hurt. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Continue nah, with your bona fide second. You're good. You're good. But, yeah, DeMarco Murray, like I said, bona fide. And real quick, I mean, when I drafted DeMarco Murray, T, that definitely was baked into my draft. I definitely load up and running back a little more just, just in case he does get hurt. Because, I mean, history will happen at some point. Well, I got to do is look at the Cowboys roster. They've got two more activated. Right. And they've got one on the uh, uh, on their practice squad. So even the Cowboys are prepared for yeah. if uh, Demarco Murray goes down. An upright runner, it happens, but um, definitely worth the risk. Uh, next is next. We have two players left on this list for bona fide bona fide, and we have two young wide receivers. Now this first one, um, honestly, one of my favorite players this year. Um, he is from Notre Dame. Went to college there. Plays for the Arizona Cardinals alongside Larry Fitzgerald, and he gets no love, none, zero. You know, he's a 6'3 Macedon. He's a ninth pick overall a couple of years ago. And last year, in his second season, um, Michael Floyd uh, had 65 catches, uh, 1,041 yards, five touchdowns, and 111 targets, guys. I mean, he averaged like 16 yards per reception. He is that deep threat in the Bruce Arians offense, and only in his second season he did that. I mean, so for me, he is absolutely bona fide. He is such a sleeper. It's ridiculous. He should be much higher drafted than what he is. Um, and this is a guy who I think can break out more so than even Cordero. And the only reason why I said that is because the opportunity is there. They passed the ball in Arizona. Trust me. I know Bruce Arians being a Steelers fan. And he loves to air that ball out. And when you're playing next to Larry Fitzgerald, all eyes are going to be on Larry. That's going to get Michael Floyd dominate. Um, he's got other side and coverage. I just love it. I mean, leaving the 1,041 yards in the second season. I mean, to me, the arrow's pointing up on him. I wouldn't be surprised to see 1,200 yards, 10 touchdowns uh, this year. He has that kind of ability. I love Michael Floyd, and I love to be when he went to Notre Dame. Um, since we get the local games here, but definitely bona fide, Michael Floyd. Dr. Train. Uh, I'll call. I'll call him bona fide. Um, uh, my only my only worry is Carson Palmer. Um, he's not as consistent, regardless of whether his target is consistent or not. So, but I still like him as a receiver, and and to do that in the second year, that's that's a pretty good breakout year. So bona fide. JB, gotta agree, bona fide. That's a solid player, big kid, catches the ball. It's uh, yards after catch, uh, plus he's playing alongside one of the greats. Fitzgerald is going to teach him how to be a professional and on and off the field. I, I see him as bona fide as well for all the reasons everyone stated. 
Well, y'all missed the main reason. I mean, I'm I just surprised that JB didn't say it. The main reason the guy's bona fide is he's a Floyd. I mean, let's just call it like it is. I mean, you know, when you have the name Floyd, it's nothing but greatness. So absolutely, he's bona fide. Need I say, well, I'm not, let's just move on to the next. Ain't even nothing to say. No, but seriously, yeah, I agree. The, the guy, he's he's kind of in the same mold as as Patterson. Um but even to, as a wide receiver, I think maybe a little more upside, and he's got the great Larry Fitzgerald to learn from. I think Larry Fitzgerald is one of the most underrated. When you talk about the best in the NFL, you talk about Calvin Johnson, of course, you talk about Dez, you know, um, you've got to have Larry Fitzgerald in that conversation. The guys, I mean, he is suffering now playing with Carson Palmer, who frankly – I don't know how much he's got left in the tank. We'll see. Um, but if you took Fitzgerald and put him with Drew Brees or Peyton Manning or any of the top four or five quarterbacks, good Lord, good Lord. Um, we saw him briefly with um, – um, Kurt Warner. Uh, thank you very much. So you know what, he, you know what he's capable of. The guy's, the guy's a monster. He's just a monster. Um, and I think Michael Floyd, <laughs> you know, he's he going to come up right behind him and look out. If, if Carson Palmer has anything left in the tank, and we already know, well, you should know that Arizona's defense is going to be pretty strong. Don't sleep on him this year. Don't sleep on him. Go ahead, uh, K-Star. Definitely. And I lay for children in our league, uh, PPR. And, I mean, Fitz is great, man. And people sleep on him all the time. I think Fitz is going to have a big year, but we already knew Fitz was bona fide, so that is what it is there. But lastly, we have a rookie. And not just any rookie. The number one drafted overall rookie at wide receiver, Mr. from Clemson, from the Clemson University, Sammy Watkins with the Buffalo Bills. Ability, the guy you know, has some of the most elite, elite skill set in the game. The dude is fast. He's explosive, especially great for the catch. Uh, situation, though, it's not there for me this season. Uh, Sammy Watkins is blown up front by association. That is E.J. Manuel, and that is an ineptitude of the Buffalo Bills offense. And alongside C.J. Spiller, who also is on the front, I am sorry, Sammy, but this year, man, is not your year to burst onto the scene. I think he'll have some decent flashes, but if you're starting him, um, then I think you are in a, a for, for a roller coaster ride, and um, maybe not the best kind of roller coaster ride. Maybe the one that unfortunately has a little, little bit of uh, peaks and valleys and, and not a lot of fun there. So, Sammy Watkins, on the front for me, um, again, skill set, I don't question it. But, again, rookie receiver, E.J. Manuel pairing, it's not a good look, man. J.B.? Yeah, I agree. Bone front also, a lot of the similar reasons. Uh, you got E.J. Manuel not progressing as well as everyone might stated that earlier. You're going to probably have the line stacked 8-9 in the box to stop the run, uh, daring them to pass. And because of that quarterback play, I don't think it's really going to happen. Not to mention, he's already got rib injuries. And I don't know if anybody's had rib injuries before. Some things are painful. And I know he's saying he's going to be ready to play week one, but is he really going to be 100%? Is he really going to be prepared to go a full 16 games without getting hurt? Remains to be seen. Uh, I just have that injury concern right off the bat combined with the, the offense. I have him as on the front right now. That's right. On the front, another five crack in a bottle, man. Unfortunately... He's just doing preseason. Didn't get a chance to see enough of him. Um, definitely Bonafront by association. I'm sorry he's with the Bills. Bad quarterback play. 
I I I just don't I can't really see the breakout. Well, you got you guys pretty much hit it on the head. Uh, Sammy Watkins will be a very good wide receiver in the NFL this, this, uh, if he stays healthy. But unfortunately, he's just not with the right team, and he's not with the right quarterback. Um, so I agree on the front, but not not for the same reasons I would say with other players that I would say that with. I say it is just the scheme and the team. Um, you put him you put him on the Saints. I think that dude could be you know number two wide receiver on the Saints. Um, I think he could be very productive with Tom Brady. I think he could be very productive with uh, a lot of quarterbacks with good arms that can get the ball to him. But um, EJ Manuel, just at this point, he he he, as JB said, he has not progressed. Um, and we'll see. I mean, he could. They could. They, this is a prediction. He could shut us up. But so far, I I've, I haven't seen anything in the preseason that would suggest differently. Um. Um. All right, that was a good segment. That was K-Star's Bonafide segment. We like it. We'll do that every week, um, you know, led by K-Star. And uh, that, was, that, was, that was good. That was good. Uh, we're going to do a little bit on late-breaking news, but we kind of covered the late-breaking news. Um, the only thing we didn't discuss of any significance, I mean, everybody heard about J.J. Watt. Congratulations. You got a lot of money. Um, I, you know, that kind of stuff doesn't really impact me. But um, Jim Ursay was suspended for six games and fined. Five hundred thousand dollars. That is the owner of the Colts. K Star, you live out there. You got any uh, any insight on that? Uh, just that 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 six game suspension is well deserved. He earned that, <laughs> and I'm not gonna lie to you. I mean, you know, he. Um, I've actually seen Jim Mercy myself uh, uh, downtown at a place called um, How at the Moon, um, which is a bar down here, a piano bar, and the man likes to drink. Which I, I don't hold that against him. Everyone likes to, you know, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's a reference. So he's a bigger. We are, we are having technical difficulties, Mr. K-Star. You are not easy to hear. Alright. Yeah. Alright, we have temporarily lost K-Star. Um, um, pretty much what he was saying was that Ursay, uh, you know, the guy likes to drink, guy likes to go out and have a cocktail or two. As you know, he was uh, convicted of a D- DWI, and uh, this is the NFL punishment for uh, uh, violating the uh, conduct policy. And you don't hear that much with NFL owners, but, um, you know, we heard that t- that was announced today. And, um, you know, really, there's really not much to say other than, you know, we'll see him at Game 7. Um all right, as we await K-Star to join us, let us let us go on to our individual segments. And uh, we do have K-Star back. K-Star, are you back there with us? Yeah, can you guys hear me better now? That's much better. Great. Um, I don't know if we're selling the Ursa, but yeah, like I said, he's just a record guy. Uh, and so it was probably for the best. And um, again, credit to Roger Goodell for doing that. He needed to, especially since, you know, there's, Quick to suspend players. We were, we're anxious to see what he did with the owner. Um, was not surprised and was actually pretty happy that he went through with that uh, decision for the six games. Right, right. All right, let's go on to individual segments. K-Star, since, you've got a good, since we can hear you now, why don't you go ahead and uh, let's start with uh, K-Star's sound off. <clears throat> I mean, damned if you do, damned if you don't. It's a common expression. It's a common phrase. 
But in the NFL, particularly with Roger Goodell, it holds true more so than anything that I can think of. I mean, this is a guy, Roger Goodell, who was always, always under the fire. And with good reason. He's the face of the NFL. He's the voice of the NFL. You know, he is the beat of the NFL drum. But, I mean, so often we're quick to criticize and never, ever, really, um, quick to point out the fact that I feel the man's a good commissioner. But in this day and age, you know, recently we've had the suspension of Josh Gordon. Um, it went for a whole season, um, which, you know, T predicted other people agreed last week will probably happen. And sure enough, uh, you know, the backlash was instant. You know, how could you suspend this guy for a whole season? You know, why did you do that? Oh, Ray Rice only got two games. Um, and, you know, people were comparing apples to oranges because the players actually bargained the deal. Josh Gordon, uh, it was disgusting that Roger Goodell was made out of some evil dictator, whereas Josh Gordon was the victim when Josh Gordon's a four-time offender. But, you know, uh, Ray Rice, the decision, it was handled poorly, and Goodell came out with, you know, the new uh, player kind of policy, which we touched on earlier. Six games, um, you know, for any domestic violence situation um, or, you know, sexual offense or anything of that nature, which is steep. Two games, you're gone. You're done. Now, well, I had some risks that we discussed earlier. Um, I, I will say that overall, you know, even even when he and the NFL announced the decision, they, they still get blamed for it. So really, the damn if you do, damn if you don't. People were saying that he was too light. Now he's too hard. I don't know what it is the man can do. No right to people. The NFL can do no right. You know, they look for ways to improve the game. Unfortunately. Um, there's been some uh, flags that have been a little too happy this preseason, but I digress. The fact of the matter is, in this day and age, I mean, again, damn if you do, damn if you don't. The NFL can never get it right, and people are always going to blast uh, the NFL and specifically Roger Goodell. And I, I just think there should be more balance. Let's not just, you know, kill the guy no matter what he does. Kind of hold our horses a bit. Let's kind of assess the situation. And please, people, can we stop throwing pity parties for Josh Gordon? Like, seriously, this is getting old. Can please stop more so than anything else? It's ridiculous. So let me just make sure I understand your point. So your point, are you supporting Goodell? Or are you, are uh, you saying, you know, where, 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 where exactly are you going with the damned if you did, damned, with, damned if you don't? I am supporting Goodell. And while he got the right situation wrong, um, he at least admitted wrong to it. And, you know, uh, put a situation in place where domestic violence is prioritizing the NFL and his severe stance is taken against it. But, you know, so gets put in flames for it. Yeah, but why did it take Why did it take the media and the fans and everybody to be up in arms for him to come down? He, 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 he needed to be told that? You didn't know that in advance? You didn't know that up front? You had to, you had to get scolded in the media every day and then say, oops, oops. I mean, it's the, you know, I, 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 no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to give him a pass it because he came through and, and like I said earlier, it's still to me too black and white now. It's still to me that your decision to add those penalties is based on a reaction because you underpunished Ray Rice and now you're trying to compensate. And I'm not, I'm not impressed by that. I'm not going to, you know, congratulate him. I want to see. What happens with Ray McDonald? And let's find out what the facts are uncovered, and then let's see where it goes. I want to see the first player that gets six games. What did he do? 
Let's see if it makes sense. Let's see if when the rule is applied, not on paper, not on ESPN being discussed, let's see when it applies if it makes sense. So, yeah, no, no, I'm I'm, I'm holding out judgment on that. You you don't think he'll set up for failure, though, with the Josh Gordon ruling coming along at the same time as Ray Rice? Well, but I think we already knew Josh Gordon was getting a year. You're the only one that didn't believe that. We knew Josh Gordon was going to get a year because he's a multiple-time offender. So, right. you know. But the backlash, so much of the backlash came through the Josh Gordon thing. Like, it was set up for failure. You know, like the 12 game, or the, I'm sorry, the full season, him being uh, suspended for people were, you know, then. I don't even see how they're even connected. Well, people were trying to connect it, saying that, oh, the NFL, quick to suspend someone for a year for marijuana, but here they are giving two games to Ray Rice. Okay, like I said, once again, my my take on the Ray Rice situation is we don't know what happened in the elevator. And we don't know what I, agree, I, mean, I agree with you. So told Roger Goodell for him to come down with his decision. But when you talk about Josh Gordon, it's, 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 it's clear black and white. You're a multiple-time offender. You're going to get suspended for a year. It's like the third time. But, hey, I, like again, I agree with you guys on that. I was saying the, the general, a lot of people's reaction to it was a shock, and it was just ridiculous to me. All right. Dr. Train's philosophy. And guess what Dr. Train is going to talk about? All right. Will the Bears be doing the Super Bowl shuffle? What is the state of the Chicago Bears? Dr. Train and Dr. Train's philosophy. That's what I'm talking about. Jay Cutler for MVP. The end. Yeah, I'm watching NFL Network. I see that. I see that. I see that. that. It's funny, the timing of this. Right. (laughs) No, I'm... um, just a quick state of the Bears. I like to start off this at the beginning of the year. I know I hit it a couple of times in the in, in the middle of the season uh, as the season progressed. But, you know, looking at the Bears right now, um, offensively, I like where we are. Uh, defensively, um, um, I'm hoping we have a defense that, that gets their stride towards the end of the season. But I like what Phil Emery did. We're bringing in talent. Uh, because we were talent depleted on defense last season and it showed on the field. So Phil Emery did, you know, everything he could to bring in uh, quality players and quality depth for the defense. Offense returning all 11 starters, so that's huge. Uh, It's always a question mark, can we get a healthy Jay Cutler? I don't think any of his injuries in the past have been, uh, quote-unquote, nagging. So it's just a matter of uh, them keeping them up right. And uh, Jay Cutler playing, you know, as clean of a game as he can. He has Brandon Marshall, Alshon Jeffries, the Twin Towers. He has Matt Forte. He has Martellus Bennett. Uh, He has the same offensive line that he had last season. All five starters returning, so that's huge. We do have a question mark on special teams. For some reason, I'm feeling a small regret of Devin Hester leaving, but sometimes you just have have to move past a player, so... 
the preseason special teams has not looked great. We haven't seen one man capable of returning even half the capability of what Devin Hester's uh, potential was in the kick return and punt return. But um, you're hoping something something pans out. I, I do believe in uh, Joe DeCamillis, if I'm saying his name right, T. Yes, Joe DeCamillis. Joe DeCamillis. I do believe him as a, as a, as a special teams coordinator, so Great I just put faith in him and, and getting the special teams. We do got a, a mean punter, though. I've never been excited about a punter, but I like this dude. So, overall, I think the Bears are in really good contention to uh, win the NFC North. Yeah, I, I, I still, you know, Green Bay is still uh, our team to beat, even though out of all the teams in the division, Detroit worries me the most. Uh, they still got some of the same talent, but they got a different head coach. And I'm more afraid of their head coach than I am the talent on their team, and I think he's one person that can bring it together. Bring it together. Minnesota, you know, they will always be the, the, the little brother of our division where everybody just beats up on them when they feel like it. But uh, still fear the man, Adrian Peterson. So, State of the Bears, uh, color for MVP, playoffs. Let's get it. I will say this. Your defense is getting as much bad press as my defense in Dallas. So, um, <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they, they're really making a lot of comparisons to our two teams. And as you know, I'm not a Bears fan, but I almost want to root for your Bears just to shut up the press because you guys are getting beat up as bad as the Cowboys are getting beat up. And I, I, don't, I don't think it's justified. I really don't. So, um, all right. Uh, JB's segment, the first official, last week was kind of an impromptu segment. Um, t- t- today is the first official Segment. Let me see if I can. This is this is first segment. Uh, you see, I might be able to find a little, a little. Um, let's see, a little music for JP. Oh, you know this one. JP will like this one. Here we go. JD, do you recognize it? Well, I was about to start looking for some rope to shake. Yeah, I recognize that. So, so we could use that one. Oh, here's here's one more that we could use for Jay. Is that one, but the one that I think I like the most for JB, this one's a little more mellow. This would be a nice intro for JB's I Bring the Mic, right? I like this one. So now introducing. As Train calls a little big brother Jay, JB segment, I bring the mic. JB. Now, that is what I'm talking about, classic. See, I knew nothing about that one. Definitely. Yeah, I knew you. I knew you knew it. For my ears. Yeah, I knew you. 
I knew you know. You hit it on the head. If it wasn't if it wasn't that, then it had to be Stone Cold. So either way, yeah, and I'm I, I was good. I was looking for Stone Cold, but I didn't have it queued up. So, but I was looking for that. Good. Ah, that's all right. Classic hit the spot. So, with that being said, today's segment on I Bring the Mic is entitled Tackle That Macro. And now this might be a little long in the tooth, but I think it's worthy of bringing up to today's standard just because of what we've been seeing out there. So I'll get right to it. Tackle that macro is really about the defensive players because we've seen over the years, and if you're a fan of football, and I mean a pure fan of football, you want to see real tackle. You don't want to see the hard hits all the time because you know what? Hard hits turn into big whips, and that's when you get stats like, Yak, yards after catch, because back 10, 20 years ago, we didn't have those kind of stats. We just had average yards per reception, average yards per rush. Now we've got different stats because we don't have defensive players wrapping up and having form tackles, grabbing them around the waist or, and, and using your legs to drive them through into the ground. That's a real tackle. That's what we need to get back to. We had guys like Erlach who recently retired, and I know – Dr. Trent, you probably appreciate that reference. That was a few more, man. Absolutely. We want to see people that know how to tackle football players. This is not about getting on segments like ESP had a few years ago, jacked up. That was all well and good. It was great. That's nice to see. But for your football team, a big hit can also be a big miss, which means seven points for the other team. You don't want to see that. You want to see the running back get hit. Shady McCoy. He gives a little okey-doke to somebody, he's off to the races, 80 yards. Great talent, can understand it, but you've got to have form tackling. That would also play a part in these fines that keep getting levied against players because they're not using form tackling. They want to go and lead with their head, lead with their shoulders, and then end up hitting with their head, and they're making it too, too easy for Goodell to start levying penalties and fines because of the way they're tackling. If they went and used more technique, there wouldn't be as many fines. The wallet wouldn't be so light. Players would go down. They would be doing their jobs and not worried about getting cut because they've got the technique that they need. Every sport has to have some form of high-quality technique to be successful. So to my defensive players out there, wrap up. Tackle that macro. Train. I want to hear you. Train is always – train is always – I remember playing train in Madden years and years ago. And dude had crazy defense, and I thought he was, like, cheating. <laughs> He's just a defensive monster. Trey, what are your thoughts on JB's tackle at macro? I love it. I love it. What annoys me the most uh, when I see uh, undisciplined tackling is players who consistently just try to come in with the shoulder pop. And it's an all-or-nothing uh, it's, it's all way of trying to take down the player. And when they miss uh, – it costs the defense. And sometimes they don't even necessarily miss. But because you didn't wrap, this guy, you know, treats it like a pinball. He bounces off, and he's off to the house. You know, I've always been taught to drive in with the shoulder, wrap up, and drive to the ground, even when I play football in high school. So I am perplexed when I see pro players who just shoulder pop. I will just say, if you guys, if anyone watched the Super Bowl, the Seattle Seahawks put a clinic on how to hit and tackle without drawing penalties. So that's right. That's all you got to do is watch the Super Bowl. That's yeah, right. them, boys, them boys was hitting, 
and they was hitting the whole game, and they took Denver right out of their game right from the get-go. And, um, and, and you know, I 100% agree, and I wish that was more the norm than the anomaly. If the other yep. 31 teams out there can take a sample of that, we're going to see much better defensive play. I wholeheartedly agree. Okay. Um, good segments, guys. Good segments. But, um, you know, <laughs> you know, it, 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 the, the, the segments are just the buildup to Commissioner T's T-Bonics. You know what I'm saying? And uh, there's only one song that can introduce the Commissioner, Commissioner T. You know what I'm saying? The omniscient one. Love that, love that, love that. Mr. McMahon, no chance in hell. Love that. I could probably teach you a few things. And that's what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to refer to the Outside the Lines report on Jerry Jones and the whole, uh, there's a few things that came out, but the number one thing that came out of that was the accusation or the allegation uh, the potential of Jerry Jones being fined or punished for tampering with Adrian Peterson. And this came from an ESPN outside the lines report. Uh, the reporter was following Jerry Jones around, and the outside the lines report actually aired over the weekend. So I've watched it five or six times and then listened to the guy's um, his, his discussion. So apparently what happened is George Strait was in concert and it happened to be like the biggest selling concert ever in that stadium, bigger than any football game ever had. I guess George Strait's retiring or something. All you, all you country bumpkins out there, I guess he's retiring. So this is like his last tour, his last show, whatever. It was a huge concert. So anyway, and I guess somehow or another, Adrian Peterson calls into Jerry's suite and speaks to some guy who then goes to Jerry and says, Adrian Peterson's on the phone. Jerry talks to him for five minutes and the pretty much the theme is Adrian Peterson uh, would love to be a cowboy. Um, and the NFL, because Jerry was supposed to report that to the Vikings, that conversation, that discussion. So now they're investigating to see if uh, Jerry Jones could be uh, guilty of tampering. Um, you know, there's rules and then there's common sense. Um, by the letter of the law, if a general manager or owner has contact with a player under contract, it is considered tampering. And that level of contact that he had by the letter of the law would be considered tampering. And the first thing he should have done was informed the Vikings and then the Vikings can decide where they want to go, if anywhere with it. Um, that's the letter of the law. I think what we're finding more and more in the NFL is that sometimes the letter of the law isn't clear. And sometimes some of their rules and policies are, are, are just, you, you need some more specificity. If Adrian Peterson calls a colleague who hands a phone to Jerry Jones, and then Adrian Peterson begins to say, 
I'm from Texas. I've always wanted to play for the Cowboys. I wouldn't mind playing for you one day. And Jerry Jones says, whatever. Hey, maybe one day we'll see what happens. You know, you're a great player. You know, how on God's green earth can you really consider that tampering? He didn't call his agent. He's not trying to negotiate something. He, this was initiated, and, and Adrian Peterson confirmed it by Adrian Peterson. This wasn't initiated by Jerry Jones. There was no agent involved. There was no contract talks involved. Adrian Peterson's under contract with the Vikings. This whole, the whole thing is just ridiculous. You mean to tell me that you can't have a casual conversation with somebody without somebody trying to th- th- come out and accuse you of tampering? Now, I, it would be completely different if Jerry Jones called Adrian Peterson and said, um, you know, how much money would it take to get you to come play for Dallas? What, what, do, you, what do you think? Or, or something along those lines. These guys had a casual conversation initiated by the player. What's Jerry Jones supposed to do? Jerry Jones is an owner. Jerry Jones is on a competition league. Jerry Jones on uh, a competition committee. Jerry Jones is an ambassador for the NFL. You mean to tell me that he's supposed to say, I'm sorry, Adrian, I can't talk to you. I can't have any conversation with you. The owner of the number one NFL franchise, when I say number one, I mean $3.2 billion of net worth. The number two franchise is the Patriots at $2.6 billion, and then everybody else is $2 billion and below. Guy who is the one probably, arguably, now that George Steinbrenner has is, is passed away, I'd say the most visible owner in all of sports. And he's supposed to say, I can't have a conversation with you. And that's tampering because Adrian Peterson said, I want to come play for Dallas. It is ridiculous. It is the most asinine thing I've ever heard of. And this is what I'm talking about. We talk about rules and then the application of the rule. But you know what? I'll find them. I predicted right here. You're hearing it now from me, Commissioner TD, I'm this one. Jerry Jones will get fined. And you know what? If I'm Jerry Jones, fine, find me. I'm a billionaire many times over. Find me a hundred grand. That's that's walk around money for me. If they start to do something like draft picks or something, oh, there's gonna be a problem. Oh, there's gonna be a problem. You want to find him because he broke the letter of the law? We'll live with it. He can pay it, but that better be the end of it. But frankly, I think that's ridiculous too. The other thing that came out of the um, outside the lines interview was um, Jimmy Johnson, and would Jimmy Johnson ever be in the Ring of Honor? For those of you who don't know, the Ring of Honor is kind of like the Hall of Fame for the Dallas Cowboys. You get your name up on the stadium and you're there forever. And the only two non-players in the Ring of Honor is Tom Landry for 28, 29 years head coach and Tex Schramm, general manager for 30 years and did a lot to revolutionize the game of football. And Jerry said no, that he didn't feel that Jimmy Johnson um, you know, had the credentials to be in the Ring of Honor. He said that... Um, he feels the ring of honor is for players, even though, you know, there were two exceptions. Um, now, when I defend Jerry, now I got to come and say, Jerry, are you kidding me? I mean, your three Super Bowls are because of Jimmy Johnson. Let's just call it like it is. Now, did Jimmy do it without you? No. You were a part of that. We know this. Not saying that Jimmy did it on his own. I acknowledge the fact that you're a general manager. I acknowledge the fact that you were smart enough to hire Jimmy Johnson. And you signed the checks, and you made a lot of the decisions. And, you know, Charles Haley, yeah, we all know you went out and, made, and got Charles Haley. Deion Sanders, you went out and got Deion Sanders. We understand what you did to help those teams. There's no, there's no argument there. But there's no way that would have happened without Jimmy Johnson. There's no way. And, you know, this guy 
would have had. I don't think there's anybody who knows football that's going to disagree that if Jimmy Johnson stays with the Cowboys, there's at least one more Super Bowl, probably three in a row, and maybe four in a row. Because he was that good and the players were that good. Okay? So the, the dynasty it turned out to be three out of four, but it could have very well been three in a row or four in a row. So the fact that you say just flat out no because of your personal reasons and all the things that Jimmy disrespected you on. Come on, man, get over it. It was, you know, 20 years ago. Get over it. Put the guy in the ring of honor where he belongs. Come on, man. You fired Tom Landry and then he came back later and did the right thing. Come on and do the right thing. Jimmy Johnson deserves being in the ring of honor. He's a cowboy. You know, you watch him on Fox and he's still pro Dallas. He's a cowboy. Even though he went and coached in Miami, he's still or Miami college and pro. He's still a cowboy. Come on, man. Jerry, I know you're listening. I know you listen to the Mad Boys. Put Jimmy Johnson in the ring on. Okay? Make that happen. All right. Enough about that. Good segment, guys. Let's wrap up the show with what Dr. Train calls the pick six. Each week, we will pick six games. And Train has promised this week to do a weekly tally. And each week, it will start with him reporting uh, that Commissioner T is in the lead, followed by whoever, because it won't matter, because second place <laughs> is just the first loser. Um, but he will be tracking each week, um, <laughs> you know, who wins. And um, uh, let's see. Let's see who let's, – let's see which one of us four is actually skilled at picking games. Now, we're just going to do win-loss, everybody. We're not going to do point spreads or points per game, but you know, if you do six a week, 16 weeks, um, well, technically 17 weeks of NFL, um, you know, that's 102 games. I don't think there'll be a tie in the standings after 102 games. So somebody will come out and be the winner of the pick six. So we have six games. Let's start with this Thursday night's game, the Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers. Many feel that Aaron Rodgers is, is back to his uh, pre-injury form, and, um, uh, and, and he's going to play the Super Bowl champion, Seattle Seahawks, in Seattle. Um, let's go with uh, Dr. Train on this one. Uh, who do you got? Um, I like Seattle on this one, man. Uh, yep. It may seem a little biased. Yes, I still do hate Green Bay. But still, as far as the overall team, just sincerely overall team, uh, I think Seattle's ready. And, my God, they're at home. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's going to be tough for Green Bay. No matter how good Aaron Rodgers is, it's still going to be tough for Green Bay. So, Seattle here. Okay. JB? Yeah, I have to agree. I think it's Seattle, too, just because they're playing at home, although I think Green Bay is going to give them a good fight. Uh, just with Seattle and that 12th man, I think it will be too much, so I'll take the Seahawks. K-Star. K-Star. For me? Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry. For me, i got to go Seattle, man. They're just too good at home. They're a team that just dominates at home, and that defense is going to get after Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I like Seattle to win this ball game. Yeah, everything in my heart is saying upset special. Everything in my heart is saying that this is a game where Aaron Rodgers is going to come out and prove a point that the pack is back. Um, 
but everything in my football mind says it won't be Thursday night. <laughs> Pack may be back, but they won't be back Thursday night. And Seattle is such a tough – if it was any other stadium and Green Bay was going on the road, I'd go with Green Bay. But Seattle's so hard to play, and I, I'm, I, I reluctantly, I reluctantly am going to pick – I don't think this is going to be a blowout by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's going to be a good game. I think this is a great game to start the season with. And uh, Mike McCarthy is an underrated coach. And uh, I, 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 man, I tell you, I really want to go for the Packers, but my football brain won't let me. So I'm gonna go with Seattle, but it's gonna be a close game. Seahawks, um, Saints at the Falcons. This one's an easy one for me. Uh, I'm going with the Saints. JB. Yeah, I'm going with the Saints also. Um, they always have a tough game. I mean, you talk about two teams that just get after each other. Uh, I think the Saints just have a little bit too much for them, and I'm going to go with Saints, with New Orleans. Uh, Dr. Train. Wow. I've always been a Falcons favorite here, but I just need to see a little more. For this being the first week, um, I don't know what Falcons team to expect. Uh, based off what happened last year, but for for just for this first week, I, I got to go with the Saints. Hey, Star. I'm going with the Saints. Uh, I think Brandon Cooks has a coming out party. Uh, the Saints use him in all kinds of new, you know, gimmicky ways, and uh, the Falcons really are just playing catch up from there. I like New Orleans. All right, the Bengals at the Ravens, K Star's division. K-Star, who do you got? Well, I honestly just have one of these teams lose opening week. But that, that, um, I, I feel like Baltimore here. Uh, we're really surprised because it's probably basically a great team. Um, you know, I, I have we are, You are breaking up again, K-Star. Um, but we got Baltimore as K-Star's pick. Um, go ahead, uh, JB. Nope, sorry about that. I had muted myself to make sure I didn't have no background noise. Um, I'm going with with an upset. I'm going to take the Bengals on this one. My gut wants to go with the Ravens, but something just tells me that Cincinnati is going to pull this one out, and maybe that money that's in Andy Dalton's wallet is going to come in handy. So I'm taking Cincinnati. Okay. Uh, Train. Cincinnati may not can't they may may not be able to do it in the postseason, but they can darn sure do it in the regular season. So I like the Bengals here, man. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Bengals. Um, Dalton got paid, um, and and you know Marvin Lewis, frankly, hasn't done anything, and he's been a coach for 11 years. Um, I I think he I think he's got to realize this is it. Like this is it. You got to get something done this year. Um, you got to like win that division, and uh, you know really get deep in the playoffs to keep your job. And I think that his players love him. He's a players' coach. Um, I, I don't. I just don't see the Ravens being what the Ravens were pre Ray Lewis. So um, um, yeah, I'm going with the Bengals. Um, we've lost K Star again. Technical difficulties. So we're just going to keep going. 49ers at the Cowboys. I normally start off talking about the Cowboy picks, but I'm going to yield to my brother on this one. JB, 49ers at the Cowboys. What are your thoughts? Oh, man. 
Uh, in the words of, of our fond father, ah, oh, just forget it. I'm going to take it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. JB's going with the Cowboys. He's frustrated, but uh, I believe we have K-Star back. K-Star, uh, K- let's see, let's hear you. See how the signal is. Are you back? I am back as long as I'm welcome back. All right. We got, four, we got 49ers at the Cowboys. Uh, I like the Niners. I mean, I know that they have uh, had a slow start to preseason, but I think they're the more talented team. I think it's be a very close game. It could go either way, but I like San Francisco. Um, I just think that they kind of pound, pound consistently on Dallas, uh, not to get away with the close, hard-fought win. Okay. Um, by the way, Jay, Mom is back listening, and she appreciated the dad comment. I got another <laughs> one for it. You better believe it, too. Better believe it. <laughs> All right. Dr. Train, 49ers at the Cowboys. I'm curious who Train is going to pick on this one. <laughs> this is a bit of a tough one. Um, the reason, reason being is because Dallas is at home. Um, not just saying that they're an undefeated home team, but they are at home. Um, and I, but I don't know what to expect from them defensively, and that's why it's, it's tough for me to just fully roll with Dallas. I've seen what San Francisco can do defensively, and, yeah, they, they are missing some key players in their defense, but I think their overall system may still be okay. And um, offensively, um, oof. Offensively, man, I'm kind of leaning towards Dallas. <laughs> I don't care what they say about Tony Romo. He still gets the job done offensively. He just has to score 62 points to win every game. That's all. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, with that said, whew. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to regret this pick. I'm going to have to go with the Niners on this one. I think they got was in the first week. I got to see more. Okay. Uh, good money says go with the Niners. Um, even even a even a Niners team with uh, injuries, uh, suspensions um, on defense is still probably better than a Cowboys team. This is a team that you know uh, probably the only team that's been able to go blow for blow with Seattle and. Um, you know, they 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 over great coaching, great players. Um, but, you know, I'm going to come from a different angle than what all of you have said. I'm beginning to get a vibe down in Dallas that they're a little upset, that they're a little PO'd because of all of the negativity talked about the defense this offseason with all the moves that were made and all the injuries. These guys have pride. And if anybody, and the train will be the first one can attest to this, if there's anybody that can get these the defense to man up and can talk to these men and say, is that, is, you know, do you, do you hear what people are saying about you? Do you hear what they're saying about you? No, what, do you, what are we going to do about it? No, we're not waiting till Sunday. What are we doing about it today? So anybody that can get these guys to man up, you've got to believe in Rod Marinelli and his ability to get people motivated. And I think this is a great statement game for the Cowboys. This is a game where if you go out and you win, people say, wow, you beat the 49ers. If you go out and lose, they say, well, it was the 49ers. 
So this is a game you got none to lose. You're not expected to win. Even at home, you're not expected to win. And for that reason, I'm going with the Cowboys. I firmly, in my heart, even if the 49ers were healthy, I just think that I'm not saying they're going to do it for 16 games, but I firmly believe that this week they're pissed off. And they're going to they're gonna make a statement. That's in my heart. I believe that. Based on all the blogs and everything I've read and the interviews and the player, I, I think I really do. I think this team's going to be really angry. And um, I think that, that could bode well for Dallas being competitive in this game. And let us remember that the worst defense in, in Dallas Cowboy history last week, uh, last year, um, was a, a Tony Romo interception away from taking out the Broncos who went to the Super Bowl. This was just last year. Okay, so the team did have games where you had to look and say, wow, what are they able to do? So, all right. Game of the week, featured game. Because it should be the featured game. Is the Colts at the Broncos. Peyton Manning hosts his former team, and Andrew Luck should be a a, a classic game. Uh, let's start with K-Star, who's a big Peyton Manning fan and lives out there in Indianapolis. So, K-Star, uh, your Colts are uh, – not your Colts because we know you're a Steelers fan, but the Colts, uh, your local team, is heading to Denver. And what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, it's going to be a great game. Um, but, I mean, at the end of the day, I just don't think the Colts have enough firepower to, to keep up with the Broncos. And, moreover, their weaknesses are off of the line, even still. And we all know what the addition Denver brought this offseason to Marcus Ware, and now they get back their healthy Von Miller. Um, that, to me, sounds like trouble <laughs> for Andrew Luck. So uh, I definitely like Denver to win this game. He wins out Wes Welker. Um, uh, you know, Denver's just – they're still loaded. Dr. Train. Man. Andrew Luck is my boy. I, I really do like the coach simply just because of him, man. Reggie Rain's returning. So offensively, I think they'll be okay. They do have a question mark at the running back position because they're yielding to Chet Richardson, and they didn't keep Donald Brown, who was really productive for them last season. Uh, defensively, um, Denver has retooled, and that's that along with Denver playing at home is, is two of the main reasons why I'm going to pick Denver. Okay, JV. I'm going with Denver, but for some different reasons. I think we can. Re- JV. Uh-oh. All right. Somebody. Hear me? Uh, we you got go. you back now. All right. Don't know what happened. Got the piece right here, but uh, sorry. Right. Keep going. I'm taking them. Taking Denver because Peyton went into his old home last year and got beat, and I don't think he liked that. I don't think he liked the taste of having the uh, the victory not be in his favor. Not to mention Broncos, one, are at home. Two, there's just too many weapons for the, for, for Denver, and uh, I don't think the Colts are going to be able to get past all of that. It'll be a close one, but I think the Broncos are going to take it. Um, I guess it's unanimous. I got to go with the Broncos, even without Wes Welker. They're home. Um, I, I think I – think, Peyton Manning is looking like a man on a mission. Um, he just, you know, I told you about the, the taunting penalty and all that, and I, I was happy to see that. I, I think uh, very similarly similarly 
to the Cowboys. Peyton Manning and that offense has been ridiculed. You know, Stephen A. said they were punked, right, by by uh, Seattle, and they were soft and this and that. And I think Peyton, he's a proud guy in that offense. And, you know, you got a, a executive vice president, John Elway, who was a franchise monster for that team. I mean, I, I think they're on a mission this year. So um, they made a lot of great offseason moves. And, um, and frankly, I think for something tells me the Colts are going to digress a bit. I just, I, I don't have, I don't have any statistic, I don't have any facts. I just, it's just a gut feeling. The Colts may digress a bit this year. They may come back a little bit. And I think they were 11 and five last year. Um, they, they, they may come back to like a nine and seven year or even eight and eight. Um, um, so I'm going with the Broncos. Featured game of the week. We all say the Broncos. So there's your money. Call Vegas, go with the Broncos. Um, last but not least, uh, we're going to go with the Chargers at the Cardinals. A very intriguing game. Um, you know, you have you have a, a Chargers team that made the playoffs last year at eight and eight, and you have a Cardinals team that had a winning record but fell short of the playoffs. So you had two very competitive teams, um, and and it's in and it's in Arizona. So let's start with Dr. Train. Chargers at the Cardinals. Uh, this is actually a tough one for me, man, and actually a, a good Monday night matchup for, t- for two and, teams that only meet each other every four years. And, and um, let me let, and let me remind everybody: there's a doubleheader Monday night. You got the Giants and the Lions early, and then this game is the late game. So doubleheader. So we've got a Thursday night game, we've got our Sunday slate of games, and then the doubleheader Monday night. We we ready to rock with some football? But go ahead, Trey. It's like the best Monday night of the whole entire season, and it only happens once. Mm-hmm. Wow. But, um, wow, this one is a, this one is a tougher, tough one. Phillip Rivers is playing better. He has weapons. He has good weapons around him again. Keaton Allen is, is ball in form. Double tight end. Running back situation. Uh, Woodhead is a, is a, is a nice Third down back that comes in. Not too crazy about, still not too crazy about Ryan Matthews. But on the other fifth side, Cardinals finishing with ten games and still not making the playoffs. They still got to leave a salty taste in their mouth. Who? Um, I'm going to have to default to the home team. Defense. They're at home and they do have defense. So I'm gonna go with the Cardinals. Cardinals defense home. K Star. Yeah, I like the Cardinals as well, man. Um, they're just uh, there's something to like about them this year, and to me, it's just the fact that you know those young passing weapons and, and Floyd and Fitzgerald and John Brown and, and Andre Ellington. Um, I think that you know they start out hot this season, and I think it starts at San Diego. Or I'm sorry, at home against San Diego. And uh, I, I just like that defense so much. I like Bethany Patrick Pierce neutralizes Keenan Allen, and that gives the edge to the Cardinals. JB. You know, I think I'm going to go against the grain. First off, can you all hear me all right? Yes. Yes. All right. I think my headset is dying, so that's why I switched to um, just that's the speaker. Okay. Just, we're live. Go ahead. I'm going to go against the grain and go with San Diego. Um I think leading back to last year, I think there was a lot of momentum built up, and I think everyone's hit it on the head. The Cardinals, 
with that salty taste in their mouth. But I think they might have a bit of a letdown. It might start in, in, in game one. Plus, San Diego has a Floyd of their own, Malcolm Floyd, that's coming off a of neck surgery. Uh, he might play a factor into this one. I, I got a funny feeling about him. Uh, so I'm going to take San Diego and upset. Bold pick. I'm going to go with the Cardinals at home. Um, I, I, uh, I'm not a believer in the Chargers. And um, I've never really liked Philip Rivers. Now, don't get me wrong. He had a great year last year, um, statistically speaking. And, um, you know, I, I mean, he can, he can play football. But just something about Philip Rivers always rubs me the wrong way. And, um, you know, a lot of times San Diego gets called the Cowboys of the West, um, you know, uh, or AFC Cowboys, um, you know, close but no cigar kind of team. Um, so I, I, I think the Cardinals are really and, – and, and if I remember correctly, I believe it was the Cardinals who went into, uh, went into Seattle and gave Seattle their only home loss last year. And uh, I just think that team is, I mean, they're in a tough division, but they're ready to compete. You know, they already they competed last year. They're ready to compete. So I'm going to go with the Cardinals. I'm going to go with the Cardinals. So, all right. So those are our pick six. And uh, I believe four of the games were unanimous. And then the 49ers and the Cowboys were two and two. And then the Chargers was uh, three and one, actually, with uh, JB going against the grain with the Chargers. And the rest, um, I'm sorry, uh, the Bengals, Ravens was not unanimous. Uh, K-Star uh, actually went with the Ravens, and the rest of us went with the Bengals. So should be very interesting. And we will count on Dr. Train to report back to us next week. As he tells everyone, damn, Commissioner T's in the lead again. Um, you know, at at, at six at six and oh, that's what I expect to be. So all right. <laughs> Good little bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um all right. Uh we are ready to wrap up the show for the night. I apologize to the fans for the technical difficulties. We are working hard to have a glitch free show, so hang in there. And uh before I sign off, uh any final words from uh well, J B, you first. Any final words? I'm ready for some football. Enough said. Uh, thanks for uh, thank you, JB. And we'll see you back here next week. K Star, final words. Cannot wait to watch my Steelers play this weekend. And the tile defense, boys, begins now in the AFL. I'm about to go back to back, so get ready for a long season. Mm. Mm. All right. And he's referring to our fantasy football league. We'll see. A lot to talk about as the season regresses. Thank you, K-Star. And last but not least, Dr. Train, any final words? Trash talking. I just took out that, took out that trash. You heard the garbage disposal, right? Yeah. yeah. Gone. Yeah. Anyway, uh, first of all, just say uh, happy birthday to your daughter. I know you had a party this past weekend and a day. Her birthday was officially on Monday, so happy birthday to your daughter and Jay's niece from the Madden Boys. And also... First week of fantasy football, and who do I who do I get? Mm, I, I wonder. Yours truly, Commiss T. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully, I don't overthink my lineup, but definitely looking forward to it. <laughs> Other than that, man, just ready to see my Bears go go at it week one. Mm. You know, I looked at our matchup, and then as I was transferring um, win losses from the old league to the new league in fantasy football. Um, yeah, you know, it's t- Dr. Train, it's really time for you to step up, man. 
it's really time for you to make some noise. You've had a pretty quiet career in fantasy football. And, um, yeah, I've only I, I, I've managed the playoffs fast five C but I never gotten out of the first round. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh so it's definitely time, but you you can start in week two. Okay, not week one. You can start in week two. Okay. <laughs> um and and you know, I've had two opportunities two opportunities to go to both championship games in both leagues that I'm in. So that shows that I know a little bit something about fantasy football because I've done it twice, and both years I've won one and lost one, and I've won the opposite one. So I've, I've won one in the other one, and I've won one in this league. My goal <laughs> before I retire is to do it, is to win both. And why not this year? Why not try to win them both this year? We'll see. Anyway, um, I say this at the beginning of every season, and I will say it again. And first of all, thank you, Train, Dr. Train. Appreciate your, uh, your joining us tonight. We will see you next Tuesday as well. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I say this every Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen. Football season's short. Um, oh, by the way, Dr. Train, I already muted you, but um, uh, well, I, I'm going to bring you back real quick. I'll bring Jay back real quick since you're both there. Um, my mom just said thank you for uh, – for wishing Amari, uh, I was going to say that too, but my mom wanted me to tell you thank you for wishing her happy birthday because that is my mom's granddaughter and she loves it to death. So, so I just thought that back real quick. You're very welcome, very welcome. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I'm muting you guys both now because y'all get on my nerves. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, but anyway, yes, uh, Amari, Amari Janelle Floyd, my 14 year old daughter, happy birthday, daddy loves you, and um, good luck in high school. I know you'll do well. I know you'll do great, great things. So, and I'll see you tomorrow. Um, football season is short, 16, 16 games, 17 weeks, four months. The end of December, it's over. And when you get into January, it's not playoffs. So for 20 teams, it ends. It ends at the end of December. This will fly by. Mark my words. We do this every year, and this four months will fly by. You don't believe me? We are at the beginning of September. Where were we four months ago? The beginning of April. Right? We're now at the beginning of September. So think back to April Fool's Day. Think back to Easter. Right? And now we're already just past Labor Day. These four months will fly by. Enjoy your football before it's gone. Enjoy it. Don't miss out any games. Don't, you know, oh, I'll just catch the next game. This ain't basketball, 82 games. This isn't uh, baseball, 162 games. This is football. You've got 16 weeks, 16 games. Get in there, catch your game, support your team. And by the way, support your team, not teams. I don't want to hear anybody else tell me that they have an AFC team and an NFC team, or they have their home team and then their away team. Or they, No, no. Pick a team and stick with it, or leave me alone, don't talk to me. But this is it. We are two days away. And then we got the weekend, and we got the great Monday night, and then we're back here Tuesday night. Football is back. Football is great. Enjoy it. Love it. And last but not least, we thank you. Support the Madden Boys. If you want to call in, you want to talk to us, you want to hear different things on the show, you, you know, give us your input. Check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter. You know, we want this to be the kind of show that you want. And if you don't like what we're doing, don't turn. Call me. Three four seven eight three eight nine five two five, and say, Commissioner T, I think you guys should do this. I think you guys should do that. We will listen. We are here for you. So for Dr. Train, for K-Star, and for my one and only brother, JB, and for my mom who was listening tonight, 
I, you know, I got to keep mentioning my mom. I love my mom to death, and it just tickles me that my mom was listening to me and my brother. So uh, thank you, Mom. You know, we love you to death. And uh, everybody have a great night. And remember to listen to the Madden Voice because, as you know, all feuds are settled on the field. Good night, everybody. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.